0: righty you lot. Yes. I'm talking to you. You up the back there. Yes, that's right. Eyes to the front. Good morning. School is in, and uh, we are in for a bumpy ride this morning. Anything can happen. I've got a few things up my sleeve that try and provoke things along, but uh, anything can happen. I've got a funny feeling about this morning, Thomas. I've got a funny feeling. Um, I've got a, a funny feeling that the... Is it is it the moon? I don't know what it is. I've been out uh, walking around the streets of Triple M Central. It's uh, very strange out there this morning. Um, maybe it's the Valentine's Day hangover thing. I don't know. How did you go on Valentine's Day? Did you get any anonymous notes, flowers, messages, anything?
1: Yeah, I got a few. Or what? Oh,
0: notes. You How many did you get? Three or four. Did you really? Yeah. Are they here? Can you show them?
1: Oh, I could probably bring them up. On my You're seat.
0: making it up. I'll show you in the break. You got, you got fair mail today. Yeah. Good on you, Thomas.
1: Oh, thank you. I try
2: my best.
0: Very good. Very, very good. Uh, good morning, folks. Welcome to the night shift. Uh, five and a bit hours of anything can happen. It's good to be with you. 13353. The number hasn't changed. Uh, I know a lot of you get frustrated when you uh, are on hold and can't get through or it seems as though it's ringing out. It's not because we're ignoring you. That's the way the phone system works. Um, But Thomas has just now cleared the board and we have lines looking at us. So if there's anything we've talked about this week and you've been trying to get through, do it now. Jump on board, do it right, right now, and we can chat on the radio and your message can be heard right around Australia, and right around the world. I can't get over how many people overseas listen to this program. And Because of the time difference, we are their morning program. And uh, often it starts with expats living either in Europe or the United States, and they miss Australia, and so they go for a little bit of Lukey love, a little bit of Triple M love. Um, and uh, then their their partners and their friends catch on and, I hate to say it, Thomas, but a lot of people overseas choose this program as opposed to uh, their own breakfast or morning programs, which is very sad and diapered on overseas radio, don't you think?
1: Yeah, radio must be looking pretty dire. Pretty
0: dire indeed overseas if you choose this over what's being offered up locally. But we'll take it. If only they had survey books. If only they had survey books, Thomas. Anyway, uh, good morning, Australia. Then jump on board, one triple three five three. A lot of emails uh, have come through. Uh, relating to stories that we talked about yesterday. I can't believe how many bar managers and security guards have, have responded to that story we got. We talked about it yesterday. A uh, An owner of a nightclub in Melbourne jumped on board and uh, was talking about how badly people behave in pubs and clubs and nightclubs. And then gone on to the topic of what goes on in the toilets while the clubs are are open. And apparently the the women's toilets are so much worse than the men's toilets. And I've got pages of emails from bar security staff. I've got emails here from female patrons who go to pubs and nightclubs saying that the women are much worse behaved than the men. The men behave badly on the dance floor. And the security has, has, has learned to keep an eye out for that sort of behavior. But it's what goes on behind the scenes and in the bathrooms that has absolutely surprised me. I'll read out some of the emails very, very shortly. But, um, yeah, apparently women are very badly behaved in nightclubs, in the toilets, Thomas. What's Who just going- thought it? Who would have thought I told you the story yesterday, and I'm not making this up, and I can't wait to hear what uh, my friends in the Man Cave have to say about it tomorrow. But uh, the Minister for War and Finance and myself were in this fantastic pub in Launceston. And I can't remember the name of the pub, but even if I could, I, I wouldn't want to embarrass them. But it was a great pub in Launceston, and uh, it had an outdoor beer garden area, and uh, the night that we were there, they, they had a trivia night, which was packed out, absolutely packed out. People were enjoying themselves. And so Nick and I were out in the, in the beer garden. Nikki went to the ladies' toilets, and uh, I went off to go and get a couple of beers. I came back, and she was in great conversation with these three girls. Now, I reckon their age groups would have been 23, 24. And I said, what's going on? And anyway, the story was that they had found a pregnancy test plastic strip in the cubicle of the women's toilet. And there was a, a garbage bin in the corner. Apparently there was a, you know, a, a bin there to dispose of female sanitary products and anything else that you wanted to throw in there. But this was on the floor. And one of the girls that he was talking to, couldn't help but pick it up. and Look at it. I don't know why you would pick up someone else's pregnancy test off a bathroom floor, but it's that's a bit on sanitary. Anyway, that's what she did. And, This pregnancy test strip had been weed on and the result was positive. So somebody has gone into a, some woman has gone into a, a toilet in a pub in Launceston, done her pregnancy test in that toilet and then left it on the floor and it was positive. It's been piffed or thrown on the floor. It was pissed on, then piffed on. They are probably in a
1: rush. There's no time. You've got to plan all these things if you're going to have a baby.
0: Well, the thing is we don't understand if it was one thrown on the floor in disgust at the at the result or thrown up in the air and going yippee, and it's landed on the floor.
1: I like to be an optimist. I like to think that
0: they yippee. were wanting it. Yeah. Y- you were hoping yippee. But here's the question. Why would you go into a pub toilet to do the test? And one of the girls that Nikki was talking to said maybe she wanted to go back to where it was conceived. I don't know. I honestly don't know, but anyway, the things that go on in toilets, in pubs, and clubs—maybe you can add to it. One triple three five three is the telephone number. But anyway, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that a little bit later on. I'm going to talk to a bloke who's often referred to as the father of the house, Catter Australian Party MP and founder Bob Catter joins me on the program later today. I love talking to Bob Catter because he doesn't have a filter. He doesn't care. He says exactly what he wants to say. He only has himself to answer to. And he's come up with a light bulb idea. Um, He reckons that his split income taxation model will make families exempt from paying income tax. Now, it does sound a little far-fetched. He will explain it a little bit later. But Bob Catter said that Australians were a dying race because no one can afford to reproduce. He says Australians today, the Gen Zers and the Millennials, can no longer afford to have a family and that the current tax models favour dual income, career-minded individuals rather than someone who wants to raise a family. Now, Bob Catter's proposal comes as the federal government moves on its amended stage three tax cuts, which are being touted as a cost of living relief. But Bob Katter says he's not going to stand in the way of any relief, including lower taxes. But what would be a complete overhaul of Australia's income tax model? And he's got this split income proposal that he says would create greater parity between a couple with a double income and no children, they're called dinks, double income, no kids, and a family of four or five. But Bob Catter's message rings true to me in a conversation I had with five millennials last Saturday, and I've told you about this. Um, Nicky's daughter came over with her partner and they have just bought a place in Sydney. They got one for under a million dollars. It's a fixer upper It's a three-story walk-upper, but I reckon it's bloody brilliant. And I think they're going to do very well out of it, but they're both on good incomes and they don't have children. They have no overheads. They have no overheads. And then, um, my cousin's son came along and Tabby came along. Tabby, the, um, the stunt woman, she came out for lunch. She's going to be in the man cave, not tomorrow, the week after, I think. She's a dynamo, isn't she? Anyway, so I'm talking to these four intelligent, employed, thinking Australians, and none of them at this point are at all interested in having children. And I said to my cousin's son, who's 34, do you have a paternal bone in your body? Do you one day want to be a father? He said, at the moment, not even thinking about it. And I said, why? And he said, straight out, can't afford it. He said, children are too expensive. And unless you have the money to do it right, on average, one child can cost you about a million dollars a year to raise, especially when they're at school and they have a lot of uh, expenses over their heads. And he says, if you're going to be a parent, you've got to be equipped financially. You should not be a parent and wing it and be in debt and miserable and blame your partner and end up blaming the children because your lifestyle is hampered. You're unhappy. You're always chasing the dollar and you're living in close to poverty. Why? Because you want to procreate. He says, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. And if you're young and have a good job, Well, and and my son has said this to me. He's about the same age, a couple of years younger. He said, I want to travel. I want to go to nightclubs. I want to go to nice restaurants. We want big TVs, nice cars, smashed avo on toast at 11 o'clock on a Sunday. We want all these things. We want a lifestyle. And children are getting in the way of that. Let me ask you this, Australia. Is that selfish or is that a reasonable thing to expect, a lifestyle. The cost of living has never been higher. Inflation, well, we're trying to get on top of that. But disposable incomes are something that young Australians are desperately trying to hang on to. And children are getting in the way of it. What have we got to do to encourage Australians to breed? Or if it's not on your agenda, maybe there's nothing you can do. And if you want to support a population which is now about 26, nearly 27 million people, looking at being 30 million people in just six, seven years, you're going to need a tax base to support all those people who are retiring. And if you can't get that tax base from people born here in Australia, the only other way to do it is to import people. And that's right, increase immigration. Anyway, we'll talk to Bob Catter about that. The cost of having a family in Australia today, is it cost prohibitive? Is that what, do you have children? If you are in that age group where every relative, every Christmas, every birthday, we say, when are you having a child? When are you having children? Are you going to get married and have children? Are you sick and tired of those questions and feeling guilty because you just aren't interested? Give us a call. Tell us what you think. One triple Three, five, three is the telephone number. Now that brings me to something else which is just as important, and I'm talking about the current cost of living. I mean, just when you feel that everything in your budget is going up, health insurance providers are making a plea to the government to hike up their premiums. And I'm asking you this question. Do you have private health insurance or have you gone bugger it? I don't believe I'm getting value for money. And I'm just going to go with what the government gives me because the premiums are just too high. Did you know in December last year, the private health insurance companies, uh, in their bid to add up to 6% to the cost of their policies, which, by the way, was knocked back, they're expected to have another go at getting the health minister's approval for a smaller premium increase sometime soon. So here's my question. Are you better off having private health insurance or do you rely entirely on the public system? There was a story about a young girl called Hannah, 27. She lives in Tasmania. Two years ago... She took out full hospital and extras cover because she wanted the freedom to access care without going on a wait list in the public system. And that's why a lot of people go on private health. Then she bought a house and she decided to ditch her extras cover. Instead of paying $40 each month for services she felt she didn't need, she put that money into a home loan. And she says it was a good little chunk off my mortgage. Now she's considering whether or not to drop entirely her hospital cover. Now, that that decision's a bit trickier because she knows she'll get stung with additional tax if she doesn't have it. But if premiums go up, is she going to be better off even when she pays the tax? Do we need private health insurance in Australia? I mean, we get free health care here in Australia. You talk to anyone from the United States and they'll say, how good of Australians got it? Yes, it's true. We get free health care. Australia boasts universal health care, so all our citizens and permanent residents get free or at least low-cost health and hospital services. And our public health system's generally pretty good, if you compare it to other countries. But if you can afford it, you may want to use private clinics and hospitals so you can choose which doctor treats you and get your own room and have procedures without going on a lengthy waiting list. But I know people who pay full-freight private health insurance and they've been presented to hospital and they still haven't got their own room. They still haven't been able to get their own room. The doctor that's treated them has been the doctor that was on call anyway. And they've thought to themselves, why have I been paying all these premiums all these years when I really didn't need it? Is private health insurance worth it? That's the question. One triple three five three. Um, Nikki has been tr- nagging me for years and years and years for us to either get rid of our private health now that the kids have all grown up and left home and, and gone on their way. I've got to tell you, Thomas... We pay, well, We were with NIB and I quit them. I'll tell you why in a second. Um, we're now with another mob. Uh, um, I won't say, but we're now with another mob. The whole time I paid the second top tier of health insurance, the reason we didn't pay top tier because we didn't need maternity, we were well and truly <laughs> over that, I didn't claim it at once for myself and neither did Nick, but her daughters did. One daughter used my private health insurance which covered the family for gym membership gym clothing her teeth her her expensive gym shoes her sunglasses prescription she was claiming all those things on my private health and why not I'm paying the premiums i never needed it once and then i needed a cataract removed and i got i went to a doctor was diagnosed, booked in for surgery, and as I was doing the paperwork, she said, can I have your private health details, and I gave them, and she said, "Uh uh-oh, you're not covered. I said, what do you mean? I said, I've been paying second-tier health insurance, private health insurance, for all these years now. My daughter, her gym membership, her gym shoes, her sunglasses, her activewear, all of that claimed on my private health insurance, and I can't claim a cataract on my eye, I can't see out of my right eye. She said, no, nah, this health insurance fund doesn't cover it. You're going to have to pay $4,000 out of your pocket.
1: That's a lot of dollar.
0: Yep. Yep. So I switched. There, we rang the, we rang them and we told them, what the hell? They said, sorry, no. Nah. And we changed there and yeah, then. Good. I ended up paying the 4K out of my pocket because so I needed the operation done. Of course, but yeah. But the private health insurance company we were with, all those years, they can get stuffed and we changed I couldn't believe it. Private health insurance. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Do you you have private health?
1: Well, I did for a while, and then I got the option to choose whether I did or didn't, and the only thing I need now is ambulance cover. In the circumstance I need an ambulance and I don't fork out 2K, um, Mm. I've got it there.
0: Yeah. But when you go to hospital, do you want your own private room? Because sometimes a mate of mine who's on the public health system needed uh, surgery, and uh, he went to Northern Beaches Hospital, was admitted because he needed surgery pretty quickly, got this fantastic room with a view. Um, he got the, um, the, the best medical attention that money didn't have to buy. <laughs> well, some, nothing's free. Of course, you've got to pay for it eventually. And he doesn't belong to private health. So, and I know of people who have paid private health for many years and they still don't get a, uh, their own room. So nothing's guaranteed. Anyway, we'll talk about that this morning. One triple three, five three is the telephone number. Um, the topic of Barnaby Joyce is still doing the rounds of the corridors in Canberra. We spoke to the leader of the Nationals, David Littleproud, yesterday on the program. We were the first to bring you that story with Littleproud yesterday. He said that he and Peter Dutton have spoken to Barnaby Joyce. It's unfortunate the circumstances surrounding his little meltdown last Wednesday in Canberra. Barnaby Joyce, he said, is the first to admit that um, what he did was not good enough. Is it good enough for Barnaby Joyce to continue to hold a shadow ministry? Does Barnaby Joyce, are his days over? Let me just tell you this. The folk of New England and most National Party constituents right around Australia love Barnaby Joyce. He's been there 20 years now. And it's hard to imagine the Parliament without him. He was once the Deputy Prime Minister. But he's obviously got a problem. Barnaby Joyce has obviously got a problem, and it's alcohol. And if you have a problem with alcohol... You get to the stage in your life where you go, here are my choices. I won't drink, or if I do, it'll be in the privacy of my own home. Now, when you go to Canberra and you're a politician, that's a place of work. That's where the country is being run. And Barnaby Joyce tied on way too many with prescription drugs and had a meltdown. And you've all seen the footage of him lying on his back after falling off a planter box in Canberra. And my information is that where he was found is a long way from where he was at a function. He went to two functions that night where there was free booze flying, and he's had an absolute meltdown. Uh, For those who didn't hear, David Littleproud spoke on my program, The Night Shift on Triple M, about this yesterday morning.
3: The first question, are you okay? Uh, And I think that's what everybody um, should be asking, and he is okay. Um, and and in his own admission, this wasn't normal behaviour. But there were extenuating circumstances of this and and much of what he's talked about uh, on Friday and Saturday was about uh, the mixture of some prescriptions that he's been given and he, he wasn't careful enough with the mixture of those prescriptions with alcohol and the quantity that he drank, and he's been big enough to acknowledge that. But there's some also some other circumstances that he's confided in me, and I, I don't tend to break his trust. My job is to create an environment around him that he's protected in the sense that he gets all the support he needs. Uh, and both Peter Dutton and I have both had a conversation with him and, and encouraged him uh, to take some time off uh, mm. to make sure that he can deal with this and that he can he can actually continue to contribute. Uh, and to make sure that you know some some of the challenges, everyone is quick to cast stones, but you don't always know what the circumstances are. No, you behind. don't.
0: All right, that's David Littleproud, leader of the Nationals, on this program, the night shift on Triple M yesterday morning. That went to air just after four o'clock a.m. yesterday. So I think we all know someone who needs to give up the grog, Do, don't we? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, many years ago, those people who know me well, especially when I lived in Bathurst, know that I used to love bourbon. I drank a lot of bourbon. When I was having a drink, that was my drink. I'd have a couple of beers to start with and and I'd be on the Jack Daniels or the Jim Beam uh, with Coke. And I loved it. And it was very easy to drink. And I have a bar at home uh, in my man cave and it's stocked with just about everything. But it's for guests. Eight years ago, no, was it was I was was I on the night shift, possibly, maybe maybe nine years ago. I decided to stop drinking spirits altogether. And you want to know why? Because I didn't like the person I became when I was drinking spirits. It's as simple as that. I thought I was being terribly witty and droll and funny and sarcastic. I wasn't. I was being a prick. Um and so I, I decided I was gonna stop drinking spirits. They're there on my bar. And um, it's there for guests, but I don't touch them anymore. I I made that decision. So I'm being brutally honest. And I enjoy a beer. I only have beers on a Friday and Saturday afternoon. I don't drink during the week anymore. I don't drink during the week anymore. And that's been my rule for about eight or nine years now as well. But that's just me. That's just me. Do we all know someone? that needs to stop drinking. Have you ever had a one-on-one intervention with them? You cannot do it while they're drinking. You've got to do it. If you, feel, if you feel it's your business to intervene, if you feel it's a really good friend that needs some advice, you've got to do it when they're sober. And often the best time to do it is after they've, they've embarrassed themselves and had a shocker. Especially oh, I don't remember doing that. Did I really do that? If you say that to yourself on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon at midday, and you have to be reminded of what you got up to the night before, then it's time to have a look at yourself. I I think. One triple three five three. So Barnaby Joyce loves a beer and loves a drink. And he's in the shadow portfolio, he's in the shadow ministry right now. And if there's a change of government, he would be on the front bench. He was once leader of the National Party. And I'll say this again. He is so popular amongst his electorate. So, so popular. He's also very popular in the parliament. But there's a time that someone said to Barnaby, listen, old mate, it's one thing to have drinks and then blame, blame it because you mixed it with your medication. But, uh... Are you happy with your behaviour? Are you happy with the way life treats you when you've been on the drink? Have you got a friend like that? Were you able to talk to them or did they not listen? Maybe it broke up your friendship when you tried to to say something. I I want to talk about that. When do you talk to a friend that you know needs to address their, their habit? Maybe it's meth. Maybe it's some sort of other drug. Maybe it's cocaine. But I'm talking about alcohol at the moment because of Barnaby Joyce. So, whether or not Barnaby will continue with his shadow ministry portfolio, it's still up in the air because uh, Peter Dutton and his boss David Littleproud have said to Barnaby, "Listen, we think you need a break. We think you need a holiday. We need you need some time out." Yet he was in Question Time yesterday, so he hasn't listened to that advice just yet. One triple three five three. Is the telephone number if you would like to be part of the program. Um, I've had a lot of feedback from my chat on Channel 7 Sunrise last Friday. Uh, The debate was, should repeat juvenile offenders be fitted with ankle bracelets, uh, tracking devices? Would that curb their behaviour? And I said, and I'll say it again, I don't believe it would have any difference whatsoever. Because if you are a juvenile that's prepared to stab somebody while stealing a car, if you're prepared to bash somebody, attack somebody, break into somebody's home, uh, and then do it over and over and over again, an ankle bracelet won't matter to you at all. And the reason is, the ankle bracelet is putting the cart before the horse. You've got to put the horse first. And the reason it won't work is because there's no consequences. If there is no... I'm an old-fashioned parent. When we were disciplining our children, we had a set of rules. Here are the set of rules. Here's what we expect. And if those rules were broken, there were consequences. Otherwise, there's no point. If there are no consequences to breaking a rule, you'll keep breaking the rules. And at the moment, there aren't any consequences. So I don't believe... But ankle bracelets will help. Now, Thomas, you found uh, last Sunday, uh, pardon me, last Friday's Sunrise uh, chat with myself on on Channel 7, and it's on our Facebook page, and it's received a fair bit of feedback from those people who missed it, because it's on 6.45am every Friday.
1: Yeah, that's right, and we're able to find that article, and um, a lot of comments and thoughts have been generated because this is something that is not just Queensland, but it's affecting across the nation, and a lot of people have put in their two cents about it, and some great people put in some uh, thought into what they want to say. Here's
0: the question. Will ankle bracelets help the youth crime crisis? That's the question, and you've put that on our Facebook page. Jason says... It's not really a consequence or realistically balanced punishment for pretty average behaviour. If you take a holistic approach, average behaviour acceptable in the home is going to happen in public. It's a conundrum and a paradox that's been acceptable in the name of political correctness and social equality and justice that's not working out good. Boundaries. Boundaries, yes. Clancy, no, it won't help. They have no fear whatsoever, no consequence for them at all. That's why they have no fear. Robin, this would make it even worse. An ankle bracelet would be worn proudly, like a badge of honour. Yep, I think you're probably right, Robin. Gerard, the first party to bring in compulsory boot camps for these repeat offenders will romp it in at the next elections. We spoke to Bob Davis, who runs Hard Yakka, which is a military-style boot camp for troubled kids, basically men. They do want to open it up for women. What they need is they need more women to help uh, supervise and more women mentors to take it on. So at the moment, it's boys. And he, he commented.
1: Yes, he did. He left a very generous response to Gerard's comment, kind of explaining what happened when uh, they tried to introduce. So, th- so this
0: is Bob Davis from Hard Yakker responding to our Facebook page.
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: Campbell Newman d- did that and was ridiculed. I know as my program, Operation Hard Yak, military-style youth di- diversion training program, was one of them on the Fraser Coast. The only military-style program. We had a high 90% success rate. The ALP lied in Parliament, under the privilege of Parliament, and got away with it. I still conduct it today. Been going since July 2008. And we do it without any government funding. If you want to hear my chat with Bob Davis, it's a separate clip on our podcast. I urge you to go to the Listener App or just go to wherever it is you, you get your podcasts and look at Luke Boner, The Night Shift on Triple M and look at my chat with Bob Davis. And if I have time this morning, Thomas, I might replay part of that interview today. So thank you to all those people who have uh, commented on our Facebook page and uh, that segment I did on Channel 7 Sunrise last Friday. I'll be back again tomorrow on Friday at 6.45 on Sunrise. I don't know what the topic will be, but I'll say what's on my mind. Um, The thing I love about doing this radio program and the fact that they've invited me to be part of the Channel 7 Sunrise team every Friday, no one has ever on Southern Cross Stereo management. And when Channel 7... Uh, tell me, they tell me late on the day on Friday morning, before I've come off air. Uh, can how about we talk about this, this, and this? No one has ever said we'd like you to lean this way. Otherwise, I'd walk away. I would walk away from this radio program and this radio network if management ever said we'd like you to lean this way. I've worked at other radio stations. I had a boss ring me up one Saturday morning. It was a Saturday of a New South Wales election, and the boss knew that I was about to interview the, the then Premier and said, listen, can you go easy on this bloke? We need him. I was actually told that. I didn't, I didn't change my interview tactic at all. I went ahead and asked the questions I was already going to um, ask. But yes, no one at this network has ever done that. And uh, I appreciate that. Um, and uh, Channel 7, they say, we just want your opinion. And that's what I do, Thomas. And if I get it wrong, I admit it. But uh, I I start with how I feel. Usually how I feel is what I've been thinking about for quite some time. And if you think I'm wrong, well, ring me and tell me. Let's talk about it. God, it's boring if we always agree. But um, anyway, that's that. What else is happening, Thomas? The quickie. Now, we had the clue on our podcast. Has anyone had a listen?
1: Oh, one or two hundred. Yeah. Many people have gone. Many people checked it So I think it will go off either today or tomorrow.
0: I thought it would go off yesterday because I think uh, it sounds exactly what it is, if that makes any sense at all. Well, it could be anything. But it could be anything. That's right. So the quickie is coming up a little bit later on. Um, God knows what else will happen today. It's great to have your company. If you're in the mood for a chat where you've stumbled across the right radio program, if you've never rung before, make today your day. And if you are a, a member of our Night Shift family, well, come on down and say hello again because it's always good to hear a familiar voice. one 5 nightshift, at triple-m.com.au. You are listening to the Night Shift around Australia and around the world on the Triple M Network, independent stations everywhere, and we are streaming live as we speak on the Listener App. So here we are, folks, on this brand new day, Thursday, February 15th. Uh, My name is Luke Boney, yours isn't, and uh, this is The Night Shift around Australia on the Triple M Network, where we give you the chance to have your say and be heard nationally and internationally. And I would love to hear, once again, from any of our listeners who are overseas. If you're listening to us on the app and you live outside of Australia, we want to know where you are and why you choose this program and what's going on in your neck of the woods. Tell us, what's making news where you are? Do you have a copy of your local newspaper? Tell us what the headline is. Love to hear from people overseas. So jump on board. If you've never rung the night shift before, today's got to be your day because we have caller of the week tomorrow and we'll be giving away a lot of great prizes and uh, you've got to be in it to win it. So if you have an opinion, uh, if there's something we can help you with, can you make us laugh? Have you got a good gag? Please give us a call one triple three five three, and let's get to know each other. We'll take a break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk here on the night shift on Triple M. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the Barnaby Joyce thing because I, I like Barnaby. I love talking to him, and uh, I think he's been a fantastic member. The people of New England would agree. It's very hard to find somebody in that electorate that doesn't like Barnaby Joyce, but has he's has his time in the Parliament come to an end? Does he need to now focus on his family and his, and his mental health? Does he, should he stay in the shadow cabinet? Or should he maybe hang up his hat and leave the Parliament? Is it all too much? Uh, if you do have a problem with grog, does it take someone else to point it out to you? If what we saw on our television screens, which was terribly sad this week, uh, of Barnaby lying on his back talking gibberish into his phone, we believe, to his wife. Um, It it wasn't a pretty sight. And he admits that. He would admit that it wasn't a good thing. And uh, his his reasoning was he had too much to drink with medication that he shouldn't have been mixing it with, and that's what's happened. Does Barnaby need to be told by someone, hey, listen, if you're uh, in Canberra and Canberra is a workplace, uh, perhaps don't drink. I have a policy where if I'm having, say, lunch with a client, with one of my advertisers, uh, I don't drink. I don't even have a light beer. Why? Because I want to stay focused on what needs my client has, and I need to stay focused on the conversation. And also, I don't want to get half pissed and promise things that I can't follow up on the next day. So I just have a policy. I don't drink when uh, when I'm at a business meeting. And it it can be very, very tempting because usually you have these meetings at a restaurant and they'll say, what wine do you like? Bring me the wine list, you know, And, and no, 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 I have a Diet Coke. And that can put people off. If you're surrounded by people at a function or at a business meeting and they are drinking and you choose not to drink, it can actually put somebody off. They don't feel comfortable unless everybody's drinking.
1: That's why I reckon these non-alcoholic beers that they've introduced are such a good alternative because it means you still feel included in it, but you don't have to have an alcohol content in what you're
0: drinking. No, I just, I just always say I have a Diet Coke, so I don't even go down that path. No, I don't like the taste of the no-alcoholic beers. I like a beer, but I don't drink alcohol when I'm in a business meeting. and Even if that business meeting is a lunch or a dinner, it's usually a lunch. I like breakfast meetings with people. You know, you come off air and um, you go and have breakfast at 7.30 in the morning, bacon and eggs, scrambled eggs and a cup of tea. I like those meetings because alcohol isn't even a thought.
1: There's a bit more productivity as
0: well. I reckon. But anyway, I'm just saying, when you're in Canberra, Canberra is your workplace. And I think Canberra should be treated as work. And I just think if you're vulnerable to grog, avoid it. Take, may, may take a bit of discipline. It's, it's, it is hard sometimes where, when you're at a function and everyone's drinking to say, no, nah, I'll just have a Diet Coke, thanks. And then people go, why? What's wrong with you? It's amazing that the pressure on you to drink in, at social functions in this country, Thomas, is amazing. I wonder if there are any ex-drinkers or non-drinkers listening that can back this up. I mean, if you look at the social pages in both the major newspapers on a Sunday and the Annette Sharp columns and all that, and or the, the confidential columns, and they have pictures of people at the opening of such and such, everyone's holding a drink, a glass of champagne or a beer. There's a lot of pressure on you to participate in drinking alcohol. And if you say no, people go, whoa, what's wrong with you? But, but some people don't feel at ease if you're not drinking Do you reckon it's quite
1: Aussie of us to do that? It's embedded in Australian culture.
0: Whenever you win something at sport, Thomas, what do you see? You see people shaking champagne bottles. Cheers. You see people with beers. Yeah. The Australian cricket team don't celebrate with beer anymore. Do you want to know why? Why is that? Because of Usman Khawaja, who's a Muslim. And out of respect to Uzi, they don't drink out on the field and usually with a crown lager or whoever the sponsor is. Yeah. The Australian cricket team have made a collective decision not to celebrate with alcohol out on the field at presentations out of respect to Uzi. You know what? Good on them. I reckon so too. Australia's drinking culture. Let's have a talk about it. One triple three five three. Here's a question for you, folks. What's the difference between having, and this is such an Australian term, a couple of quiet ones. A couple of quiet ones. Well, you know, oh, a couple of beers. A couple of quiet ones. You only have a couple of quiet ones. Um, and having too much. One triple three five three is the number. And I know we've done this before, Thomas, but I'll say it again. What is it about rum that sends people over the top? What is it about rum? Is it the fact that it's so alcoholic? What? Just look it up for me. What is up? underproof rum, Uh, because I think your standard drink at a pub, when you say, can I have a rum and coke? I think it's a UP, an underproof, and then there's overproof. But, I mean, it's quite alcoholic. I mean, if you look at mid-strength beer, which is the the top-selling beer in Australia at the moment, 3.5 or 3.3, what's a a rum and coke?
1: It's about 40% alcohol. 40%? Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's ridiculous. And when mixed with coke, it goes down really easily.
1: And you could just down and down and down. See, that's why I like a pint, because you can measure how much you're having.
0: No, I don't like pints, because I hate warm beer. My beer's going to be really, really crystal close to frozen cold. And if I have a pint, it takes you a while to drink it, and the bottom third is too warm, and I leave it. See, I'm a funny thing, aren't I? You
4: know,
1: in the UK, they like their warm beer.
0: Why do they like warm beer in the UK? They're weird, though. What's going on? Anyone from the UK, give us a call. What is it with you and your warm beer? One triple three five three. Okay, to business. Lynn, good morning.
5: Good morning, Luke. How are you? I'm
0: really well. Happy Thursday. Welcome (laughs) to the conversation. Thank you. Where are
5: you? I'm in Tacoma, which is next door to Belgrave in the Dandenongs.
0: In Victoria. Yes. Okay. I don't know why you've run, but I've got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Do you have power at the moment? No. You still don't
5: have power? No. We went out in the height of the storm yesterday, about twenty to
0: four.
5: Mm. Um, yep. Just like that. Um, we've been getting messages coming through. About half an hour ago, I got a message from Oznet, who was looking after us. Mm. Um, Upway next door to us is up. We're intercomer out, up um, Belgrave, Belgrave South, Belgrave Heights and a couple of other areas, which I'm not sure, or which are in the same grid. We're all still out. I got a message stating that they've just done an inspection of the area mm. and due to the extensive damage, we probably won't get power back until Saturday night.
0: Oh my God. Um, do you have a generator? No. No, m- most people don't. So all your food, gone? Yes. Do you have insurance that covers that?
5: Uh, I hope so. Yeah,
0: some insurance policies cover uh, spoiled food in the case of a blackout, yeah.
5: Yeah, I mean, because like I had probably $1,500 worth of food, meat and seafood and everything put away for my husband's 60th in the freezer and um, it was supposed to be a surprise. Not anymore. (laughs) Not anymore.
0: When it goes off, it won't be a surprise. It's off. It's off. Lynn, check your insurance policy. Mm, I'll be claiming, all right. <laughs> and see if you can claim that, that spoiled food. A lot mm. of policies included. I'm really sorry. I'm pretty sure ours does. And this is the scary thing. Yes, even though that power outage was brought about by a storm, it shows you how vulnerable we are here in Australia. When your main source of power goes down, we don't have a backup. We are in trouble. Renewables don't cover it. It's frightening. Well, we're sort of nuclear supporters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And why yeah. not? Let's talk about it. Uh, why aren't we looking at nuclear? Mind nuclear, you, I mean... if we started, if we started uh, going down the nuclear path, it takes about ten years to build a nuclear mm. power station. So it's that that too is a long way off.
5: Yeah, mind you, I think um, England at the moment is building its seventh. Yeah, the UK. Yeah. yeah.
0: I know, so, and, we, and we, have, we have the second largest deposits of uranium in the world. Exactly. And we sell it to overseas countries who use it for what? Power. Yes. Yeah.
5: And, of course, our illustrious ex-premier putting down the kibosh on gas. Yes. Now, if we didn't have gas, we wouldn't be showering or cooking
6: mm-hmm.
5: or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, all electric, we'd have nothing. So, I mean, the gas hasn't gone down, but the electric goes out quite regularly.
0: That's right. Imagine if you, if you had no gas as well. I mm. know. I know. It is a worry how vulnerable we are here in Australia if yeah. our coal-fired power falls over for whatever reason. Anyway, Lynn, I wish you all the best. I hope you get your money back on your food. There was something else you wanted to talk about. Health insurance. Do you belong to private health? I do.
5: I do. My health insurance, I was... a basically with them for, at the time, 23 years, um, very, a couple of minor operations. I'd actually been diagnosed with needing a hip replacement, mm-hmm. which I wasn't covered for. Mm. I rang them up about it and immediately got myself covered. And I was ex- encouraged, basically, go for pre-existing which I did Mm. six months it took, Mm. phone calls, messages, getting nowhere, um, information from the doctors and all that. Of course, after six months, they rejected it. And so I went to the ombudsman. And basically what I got back was that the rules are set out so that the insurance company can know about the condition, Mm. the doctor can know about the condition, but the person that's claiming doesn't have to really yeah and that's that's law
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
5: I mean how ridiculous basically we had to go and borrow the money it cost $25,000 for a hip replacement and I had to mm-hmm. go and claim that basically through my bank to get that done and of course as a consequence of that I had also needed a knee operation. And that was 10 times worse than what it should have been because yeah. of the delay in the hip. But that was covered. <laughs> yeah. You well,
0: should... my, I had a cataract on my right eye. I couldn't see out of my eye. And it wasn't covered. I had to pay 4000 bucks out of my pocket.
5: Disgusting. It really is. And I paid
0: top-tier level with NIB, got rid of them. I'm with someone else now. I couldn't believe it. Man. And yet my stepdaughter... Could, could claim her active wear for the gym, her shoes, her sunglasses. She was claiming everything on my health insurance, and yet I couldn't claim the removal of a cataract.
5: Well, I'm not going anywhere with mine. They owe me. I've got uh, um, osteoarthritis. Um, so I'm going mm. to be having a few operations. I currently have a problem in my shoulder, yeah. which will need looking at. Hey, so- listen,
0: Lynn, can you tell me the truth? Can you tell with your osteo? Can you tell when it's going to rain? No. Oh, I've got a friend who, who's got a bit of arth- arth- the old Arthur Rise. He reckons he can tell about uh, a, a day before it's going to rain. <laughs> anyway, Lynn, I wish you all the very, very best. I really do. Let me know how you get on. I will. Thank you so much.
5: And first time I've listened to you, and you're really good.
0: <laughs> oh, well, keep listening. You might change your mind. <laughs> Lynn, lovely to meet you. You are now... <laughs> you too. You're now part of the night shift family. Okay, call me anytime. I will. Thanks, Luke. Have a good one. Yeah, see you, mate. Bye-bye. 13353 is the telephone number. This is the night shift on Triple M. We're underway for a Thursday. Classic Dragon with a great late Mark Hunter here on the night shift with Luke Boner. 13353 is the number. All those people on hold. I see you there. Don't go anywhere. Um I will get to you very, very shortly. Um I can't believe how our garden has gone berserk with Swift Grow since we started using Swift Grow four and a bit years ago. We really don't have a winter in our garden anymore because so many of our annuals flower right through winter. It's, we have colour right throughout winter. I mean, geraniums, we've got red and pink geraniums everywhere. Because Nikki's one of those gardeners, you know, she she takes a cutting and she'll put it in the garden. If it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, I'll tell you, with Swift Grow, it it goes. But we've got colour right throughout winter. The lawn, something happened out the front lawn and a big patch died. I don't know what happened. It looked like someone had sprayed it with Roundup. And we put Swift Grow and Swift Life on it. And it came back so well that the neighbour said, did you put lay some new turf. We said, no, nah, Swift Grow. So our neighbour now uses Swift Grow. Hope Estate in the Hunter Valley, where they grow the most beautiful wines, Hopi is now 100% Swift Grow. And there are farms in far north Queensland, banana farms, 100% Swift Grow. And the government loves it because it's environmentally friendly. So if you want to try the best fertiliser ever, this is Australian. And Joe Ayub. The microbiologist, the scientist that invented it is currently overseas he 's been asked to visit a number of other countries he 's overseas right now who want to take on Swift grow as a national initiative. It is such a success story, and you can have it on your garden as well please and use it as directed don 't think oh i 'll put some more on it 'll work better it doesn 't it just means you 're wasting it One little cap in ten liters, but follow the instructions. And wait till you see what happens. Free delivery anywhere in Australia. Right now, they've got this fantastic deal, a five-litre bottle of Swift Grow, 120 bucks. And that that deal won't last much past the end of this month. If it's green and it grows, you're going to love swiftgrow.com.au. Back in a sec. Yeah, hey, good morning and welcome. Um, if you, uh, like the previous caller, have just discovered this program, this Strange nonsense coming out of your radio, um, and you'd like to join in and become part of the family? Uh, you can do it right now. One triple three five three is the telephone number. Um, <clears throat> here's some news. Well, it's not really news; it's old news. And I hope to be talking to Jeremy Rockcliffe early next week. But Tasmania is going to the um, polls uh, a year early. The Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockcliffe he's called an early election. This is a year before it was scheduled because, and this is the part of the problem when you don't have a majority. Jeremy Rockcliffe, by the way, the only Liberal Premier left in Australia, uh, he has had to do business with two independent MPs and they have declined to renegotiate an agreement that they had with his government. Uh, Lara Alexander and John Tucker, they defected from the Liberals last year. And so they pushed Rockcliffe into a minority rule. I hope to talk to the Tasmanian Premier, Jeremy Rockcliffe, next week. But this is something that really bugs me, and maybe it shouldn't. And you can tell me what you think. But I firmly believe that if you run for government under a party platform, you stick with that party, and if you don't, and you, and you choose to sit on the back benches, maybe an independent, I think there should be a by-election. Now, I'll tell you why. When you run, and I believe everybody should have a fair say, and I, I haven't got a problem with people crossing the floor on a conscience vote on certain issues. I haven't got a problem with that. Don't get me wrong. But if you enjoy the advertising, the protection, the banner, and the umbrella that surrounds you and your campaign when you're running for government, you respect that team that you're running with. Now, I also firmly believe that if there is someone resigning from the parliament for whatever reason, health, personal, or they have just had a gut full and they can't go until the next election, or a death, as we saw in Dunkley and that by-election last weekend, I think that instead of a by-election, which is very, very expensive, I think it should be offered to the next candidate past the post at the previous election. What do you th- what do you reckon? One triple three five three. We do away with by elections, and it's the second past the post that takes up representing the constituents in that seat until the next election. It's just a, a thought bubble. It's just a thought bubble. One, triple, three, five, three. Or, or if it was a member of one of the major parties, or even one of the minor parties, I mean, if it was a Democrat, a National, uh, a Green, doesn't matter, uh, another representative of that political party should take up a caretaker position in that electorate, until the next election. What do you make of it? One triple three five
7: three, Phil, g'day. G'day, mate.
0: I'm good. Thank you so much for waiting on. It's all yours. Uh, you're responding to a conversation we had yesterday about <laughs> the dreadful state of bathrooms in nightclubs and pubs, and particularly, according to callers yesterday, the women's toilets. Is this true?
7: That's right. I just thought like to say, um, Luke, first in long time.
0: Good on you, Phil. Welcome. You're now yeah. part of the night shift family.
7: I oh, appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I work as a um, as a cleaner at a plaza,
6: mm. Mm.
7: and oh, um, I've only been doing it for about twelve months now, and I'm just absolutely stunned by some things that I, was, you know, what you see.
0: You're at a big shopping plaza, are you? Yeah. Okay. And um, part of your job is to clean the toilets. That's right. Right. Are the men's or which is worse, the men's or the women's toilets? Always the women's for
7: some reason. Why? Still, I, I, I can't understand why.
0: Everybody is saying this. I am shocked. I thought for sure that the men's toilets would be worse because I, I, I've raised girls and boys. What, what, You'd think so. What, what have you seen? What, what? What's the difference? Tell us. Well, the story.
7: I'm not saying that the men's. Yeah, you know, the men's aren't always. The men's guys, you know, they do get bad as well. But on a whole, the women's are the worst. And oh yeah, seen all sorts of disgusting things. Like you know, feces on the on the seat and blood on the seat and uh, you know, pee on the floor and.
0: And the women's are worse.
7: In the in the that's in the women's dogs. Why? I just can't understand. No, I
0: have no idea either. The
7: mentality of people lose days. Yeah, it's. Oh, I'm not sure what it is, but it's. Yeah, you know, it's not something that they'd do at home, but they're more than happy to. You know, just walk out and leave it like that for someone else to clean up.
0: I I once had to use, and I've if I've got to be very desperate to use a servo toilet. I've got to be honest with you, right. Oh, I agree. Okay, but I had to use a servo at a service station uh, on my way to work one day. It was an emergency. He gave me the key. It's always on, on, it always has a great big square piece of plastic attached to the servo key. Have you noticed that at servos?
7: Yeah, or a brick or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I,
0: and I've gone in there. And it was it was diabolical. It was absolutely mm. diabolical. But there was a woman's sanitary pad on the floor. And yet, in the yes. corner, there was a disposable bin. The bins, yes. Yeah, and this was on the floor, and I just thought, why? I it's, it's just
7: baffling. isn't it, well, I, I can't understand what these what these people must live like at home. That's the way they sort of leave things.
0: Ah, now is how you behave in public a reflection on how you live at home? I often wonder this, Phil. Because I look at the kitchen here at work, and there are signs up everywhere that say, please rinse your dish and pop it in the dishwasher. And in the kitchen on our floor, there are two huge dishwashers. There's always room. And the and, and, and the cleaners at nighttime, because I'm here, I see what they do. They turn them on about seven o'clock at night. During the day, there is always room in the dishwasher. But the sink is full of filthy plates, just dumped in the sink, even though there are signs saying, could you put it in the dishwasher? It's not hard. And I don't know who does it, the, bo- the men or the women here, but when I get in at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, the kitchen is a shit fight. And I say to myself, how do these people live at home?
7: That's what I was going to say too. It's not, um, it's not just the women. Well, it's, it is just people in general. What's wrong but, with people? I can't understand. The, yeah. It just, it just baffles, it truly baffles me.
0: I I would say the average age of the young people here that I see at five o'clock, I would say the average age would be between 30, 35. I don't know, would I be right, Thomas? I, I I don't know. Yeah, I reckon you're right. Yeah. And, yeah, and it, it I'm just I, I, all, all I have to go on is the way the kitchen's left. It's dust diabolical.
7: Yeah, but the problem the problem is too is that I, I'm not. Sure, it's, it doesn't. It's not a generational thing. Like I can't mm. you know, put a, a generational specific on people mm. that are doing it. It's mm. just overall, and it's older women as well and younger. You know what I mean? It's all women, over.
0: But, but men, men as well.
7: And yeah, men are. You know they're there's been some pretty bad things in there, too.
0: Well, here we go. This is Phil, who is a cleaner at a shopping plaza, and he says that women's toilets are worse than the men's. What about the unisex?
7: Well, that's the problem as well. The the, the disability toilet is the unisex. Yeah. And then you get people in there doing drugs and leaving syringes around. and Really? You know, swabs with blood on them on the sink and... I just can't understand what's wrong with people.
0: I can't understand it either. We uh, had to go to use a public lavatory in a a town in rural New South Wales up in the Blue Mountains, and um, inside the toilets they have these strange fluorescent lights, and it was explained to me that these particular lights are on in these toilets which are open 24-7 because – up in the mountains where this toilet is, there is uh, it's, it's renowned for attracting people who go to a rehab centre up there. And uh, under these fluorescent lights, you can't find a vein, and so that's these lights. When you try and find a vein in your arm, you can't find it, and so that's why they have lights like this in these in these toilets. Can you believe
7: it? Yeah, I've seen that down in Melbourne yeah. Um, yeah, about twenty years ago.
6: Yeah.
0: It's sad, isn't it? It's sad, but you say the women's toilets are worse. Phil, thank you so much for your call. Interesting observation. No worries. You take care of yourself. One, triple, three. Can I just ask you, Phil, how old are you?
7: 48.
0: Okay. All right. a little bit older. I'm doing a poll because I'm going to talk to Bob Catter later this morning, who's come up with a split tax system that's going to encourage families to have children because he reckons... That it's a it's a system that will have families and split incomes not having to pay any tax. I'm still trying to get my head around it, but we'll talk about it later this morning. But I, I am going to take a poll this morning. If you're aged between, I don't know, let's say uh, 18 to 30. So I want to take in Gen Zers and Millennials as well. No, let's go 18 to 35. Are you planning to have children? Here's my question. And if not, why? I'm going to take a poll. It'll be interesting to see what we come up with. 133353. G'day, Paddy. How you doing? I'm good. Where are you?
2: I am in South Australia, so about Gawler.
0: I don't know where that is. Never been there. I've been to South Australia, I haven't been to Gawler. Oh,
2: you're not really missing much.
0: <laughs> what, what happens in Gawler? Why is Gawler famous? It's.
2: But sort of central. Everyone sort of knows it in South Australia.
0: Okay, and what do you do there?
2: Uh, I live there and just work around 20 minutes out in logistics and transport.
0: Okay, well nice to meet you. Why have you rung?
2: Uh, i just got a story on the back of your uh, like your intervention.
0: Yeah, I mean t- we are talking about Barnaby Joyce and the fact that David Littleproud on this program yesterday said that he was having a chat with Barnaby and he and Peter Dutton we're strongly suggesting that he takes a little break. He's got some personal issues he needs to deal with. Some people are arguing that he has a problem with alcohol he needs to address, and that he needs some time out. And it's really difficult advice to take when you're convinced you don't have a problem. So you, you see where I'm going?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. What's your story? Uh, so um, we had a mate. Uh, we decided to go out one night drinking. Um, and he just decided to drink twice, even three times as much more as we did that night. Um, and, and, then, what, and
0: what were you drinking beer or spirits or both?
2: Uh, just a mix really. We started off with beer and then as the night progressed, we sort of started getting on the spirits. And let me ask um, you
0: one more question. Did yep. you, did you take shots?
2: Uh, not at this point. Uh, okay. No. Cause
0: I'm not a shot fan and I'll get into that later. Keep going.
2: <laughs> so, um, as the night progressed, he started getting more drunker and drunker, but and he just up and left, just disappeared on us. Um, and we were looking for him for about an hour. Um, his phone rang at one point. Uh, someone had found his phone, guessed his password, and called me because I was the last person to call him.
0: Guessed his password, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, and he... They called me and said, oh, we found your mate's phone. He's just walked to the Botanical Gardens in Adelaide Mm. and they weren't open. So he's jumped the fence there and Mm. walked through there and ended up somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, We then later get a phone call from another number because my mate has found these two people and said, oh, can you call my phone, please? I can't find it. And it turns out one of them was a police officer mm. who was going to throw him into the drug tank because yeah. he was passed out on the side of the road. Yeah, he was he
0: was being unsafe to himself.
2: He, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um,
0: your friend, d- does he make a habit of getting this pissed or was this a one-off?
2: Uh, he used to make it a habit, mm. but this at this point in time when he just did that runner, that was a one-off, but he used to like to drink more than we did.
0: So did you have a word with him?
2: Yeah, the next morning we Mm. all uh, went out to breakfast and Mm. we all sat down and said, like, hey, look, this is what happened last night. Yeah. We gave him the full rundown. We all sort of said how we all felt about the situation and um, we, as bad as it sounds, we were all still angry with him from the night before, Mm. but, and he brushed it off thinking he didn't have a problem, didn't have a problem, Mm. Um. Then he did it again the next weekend with somebody else, and they left him, just completely left him. Mm. And that's when we all sat him down again, had another intervention with him. And now he is not a sober. He will have a few beers every now and then, but he just does not drink as much as he used to anymore. Well, reckon- well
0: done. Well done. He, he is obviously a good friend who values your your company and your friendship because sometimes when you have these interventions – they choose grog over their mates and they'll, and then they'll, they'll leave that group and they'll go find another group that, um, that will encourage their, their narrative. So, yep. well, so he is a good mate. And so you did curb his behavior a little.
2: Yeah. So, um, he took a step back from the situation and he confronted us, uh, one night saying, yes, I do have a problem. Hmm. And he, we were all just sort of gobsmacked thinking, wow, he's actually admitted to it. Like, this is pretty good. Um, but yeah, he's, I think just having that group of mates around him that supported him and was, I think he just needed to hear the issues that he was causing when he was getting completely and utterly drunk. I think that really made him rethink his choices.
0: Wow, Paddy, what a story. Let me ask you this, Patty. For anyone else listening that has a mate that needs taking aside and an intervention, what advice would you have?
2: Um, I would say do it as quickly as you can. If you leave it on too late, then they might cause themselves even more harm. Um, and another thing is to not don't sugarcoat it. Be straight up honest with the issues that you are trying to bring to them. Because if you sugarcoat it, they'll think, oh, nothing's really as bad as what they're saying. So I think just being blunt and addressing the issues as fast and as soon as you can will have better effects.
0: Paddy, thank you so much for your call. You're in the draw for call of the week. I'll tell you that for nothing. And, uh, well, and uh, lovely to meet you from Gawler, South Australia. You, you're a good friend to have, mate. You're a very good friend to have.
2: Oh, thank you. And uh, this is my first time calling up and listening to the Night Shift, and I'm not disappointed at all. I'm really enjoying this.
0: Well, guess what? I'd love to say there's a money-back guarantee, but, but the Night Shift is free. Paddy, please call again, okay?
2: I would love to. Thank you so much.
0: See you, mate. Bye bye. There you go. One triple three five three is the number. Your thoughts are welcome, Australia. Jump on board the night shift, Triple M. Kenny Loggins here on the night shift with Luke Boner, 13353, night shift at triple au. Talking about intervention, sometimes you may need an intervention if you snore too much. Would you shut up? You're snoring. Go to the other room, go to the spare room. My dad woke up every most not most mornings coming up there from the study from downstairs, sleeping on the fold out bed because he snored and he wasn't overweight. He was fit. Um, but he snored and he obviously had sleep apnea. If only we knew about the health issues surrounding sleep apnea back then that we know now we might've been able to give him an, an extra 20 years of life. Um, but we do know about it now. So if you snore, get yourself tested. And the experts, Sove, S-O-V-E, they can organise bulk billing uh, to approved customers. But get yourself treated. And if you do have a sleep apnea and a CPAP machine, well, Sove have the latest and leading brands, ResMed, Philips, Fisher and Pykel. And um, you can upgrade your CPAP machine, and they make it really easy. It works out to about $4 a day. It's a cup of coffee. So visit Sove CPAP Clinic at sove.com.au. S-O-V-E. one three hundred seven six two nine three nine. 2939 But just go to sove.com.au. Make sure you say, oh, I heard it with Luke on Triple M. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Always follow the directions. When considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. There are payment plans available for approved applicants. Fees, terms, conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply, but get yourself tested. It could be the bulk billing uh, can slip in there and they can look after you. And if you need to upgrade your CPAP machine, they're the people to talk to. Sove, dot au. Back in a sec. So... Would ankle bracelets help the youth crime crisis? If you go to our Facebook page, you'll see my comments on Channel 7 Sunrise from last Friday. Um, The reason it's there now is what Channel 7 posted it on online yesterday. Did they? What happened, Thomas?
1: Yeah, they thought your comments were so good that they wrote an article about it. So uh, it's all there for people to read or to view. And our listeners have gone there and made some
0: comments. Yeah, there's a whole lot of comments there. Um, So if you want to have a look at the article and look at the video, go to our Facebook page, The Night Shift on Triple M. And please feel free to leave a comment, but have a look. The Reverend Jim Reynolds has rung through. Hello, brother. Good morning, mate. How's it going? I'm going very, very well. How are you? Good,
8: mate. I think I've broken the streak, though, because every other caller before me has been a first-time caller.
0: You're quite right. It's been a funny morning like that. They have, haven't they, Jim? Uh, I wonder why that is.
8: I think it's because half of Victoria has no power, so yeah. everyone's dug out their old trannies. Uh, you can't say that word anymore, can you?
0: Uh, <laughs> they little radio <radiated> with battery. <laughs> <laughs> have, you got, yeah, have you got your tranny on you? What? <laughs> yeah, The old tranny, the old transistor. I can't believe how devastating this power outage is in Victoria. And it just shows you how vulnerable we are when we don't have enough coal-fired power stations to pick up. Because we've got nothing really that can pick up the slack. But anyway, I feel so bad for those still without power because their food's going off. Oh, yeah, 100%. percent it would be interesting to see in, in nine months' time, Jim, uh, what the results are from this power outage. <laughs>
8: Well, it was funny when I was listening to your first caller from Tacoma because uh, just down the hill from where she was was my old stomping ground, Ferntree Valley. So uh, I know the area very well, and that's not the first time we've been out with been without power for over a week.
0: If you can, and I was about to say, if you are out of power, give me a call, but if you are, you probably haven't been able to charge your mobile. So that's something else that you don't think about. You've got no power. You can't charge your mobile phone. You can't charge your car. If you've got an electric car.
8: You you also don't have a normal landline phone either.
0: How come back in the day when we had landline phones, blackouts didn't affect them, but they still needed electricity to work? How come the phone still worked?
8: Uh, it's from, because they've now switched over to NBN, so it runs through your modem. Yeah. So no power to the modem, no phone.
0: But I'm talking about the old landline.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Because so, that was on the copper network, so it didn't need power.
0: Didn't it? No,
8: no. It was How only it when work the without power. It was only when people got the uh, cordless phones, which you had to plug in for the battery.
0: That's right. Yes.
8: Yeah, but if you think of the old rotary dial, that's what I'm. Think, still have, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of. Yeah. Yeah, they'd still work without power. How? Because it ran off the copper wires. It was a different system. You didn't need power to it, from my understanding of the system.
0: But you need power. how did the How did the voice come out of the f- receiver? It's a as little far as... It's a little speaker in there, Something's got to power it. Do you know what? Let's put it out there. <laughs> One trip for yeah. three, five, three. There's somebody out there that understood the old rotary dial home phone, the the old home phone before modems, before batteries. How come your home phone still worked during a blackout? What powered it? There you go. Let's find out. Reverend Jim Reynolds from the Outreach Ministries, why are you you ringing me, you God-botherer?
8: Well, I was listening to your conversation about uh, poor old Barnaby.
0: Yeah, poor old Barnaby. He's very popular in his electorate. Um, Regional Australia loves Barnaby, and yet he's going through some issues and it's sad to talk about because the, this should remain private, but he, there he was in Canberra, which is a workplace lying on his back on a footpath, feet up on the planter box. He's fallen off and he's still talking into his phone. So it's become very, very public. And the question now is, should Barnaby remain on the the shadow cabinet on the, on the, on the back, on the opposition benches, should he still represent the people of New England, or does he need to leave the parliament and sort himself out?
8: I think he definitely needs to sort himself out because let's be perfectly honest: when you work closely with ScoMo for that amount of time, anyone's going to drink. But uh, so <laughs> he,
0: he was—he he, he was, he was working with other people before ScoMo. Remember that he just remember Mal, just remember Malcolm Turnbull. Just remember Malcolm Turnbull, who he was great mates with up until we found out that he had made his media advisor, Vicky Campion, pregnant, and that unfortunate, but but it was a fantastic tabloid headline, Bundle of Joyce, on the front page of the Daily Telegraph, and then Malcolm Turnbull goes out, press conference to the nation in the Prime Minister's courtyard at Parliament House, and said what a despicable thing it was, what a dreadful thing, and that he brought in the parliamentary bonk ban. Remember that?
8: Yes, I remember that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, keep going.
8: Look, I think that we've become very judgy in the land of social media and the fact that everyone's got a camera. Uh, You know, when I saw the first footage, I was like, why are you filming him? Why aren't you making sure he's okay? Mm. Uh, Ultimately, I think it's a decision for the electorate of New England to say whether he should stay in parliament or not, because uh, ultimately he's their representative. But the thing is, if he does have a problem, he really does need to get some uh, sort of help. But the way the way to get the help is probably the hardest
0: part. You've been listening in for since I started the program, obviously. Um... What did you make of that last caller who had to have an intervention with his mate who had a problem with drinking? I thought it was an excellent call.
8: It was an absolutely brilliant call. And, uh, you know, his mate is very, very lucky. Uh, You know, a lot of people do their best to try and help their mates in that situation, but it's a very tricky one because it's very hard to admit that you do have a problem. But it's also very hard to accept you have a problem when you're surrounded by people who do still drink. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're listening to your mate saying you've got a problem, but, you know, they're going out to drink and it sort of dilutes it a little bit. Uh, so, you know, what, what I always suggest to people when they're facing that situation is come up with some strategies that are alcohol-free and help your
0: mates as well. Uh, can I, just, just can I just say something here? And you know I love a beer and I only have be- drink beers on the weekend, Fridays and Saturdays. I, only, yep. I don't drink during the week. And I and I, I drink uh, mid-strength beer now, and I don't drink mm-hmm. spirits anymore. And you're a witness to that. And you yep. and you've been to my man cave. You've seen my bar. It's it's fully stocked, and it's there for guests. I don't touch it. Yep. But I had to I had to make that decision on my own because I didn't like the sort of person I became when I was drinking bourbon. But that's just me. And 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 some people rum has the same effect on. You think you're okay, but you're really not. But when it comes to talking to somebody who has a massive problem and they become a perennial asshole every Friday and Saturday night, they're always getting into fights. It's always, they they dribble, they're they're slurring, they're just a massive pain in the ass. And you've got two choices. One, you do what that previous caller did and you... And you talk to them because you care for them or you just brush them and you go, I'm not going out with that person anymore. They're they're too much trouble.
8: I'd always try to help somebody, but there is a time where you do have to walk away because people will not stop a bad habit until they're at rock bottom.
0: And you and I are talking about alcohol here because of Barnaby, but we could be talking about someone who's got a drug addiction, could be cocaine, could be meth, could be whatever. At what point do you say, I've done my best with this person? and I can't do any more, I've got to walk away. Because that's a tough decision.
8: I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it depends on the substance. Mm -hmm. Uh, In all honesty, in my experience, and I've been around the drug scene for a lot of my career in this kind of work, uh, if I know someone's taking meth, I walk away straight away.
0: Straight away. Now, there's a backstory to this. You got burnt. There was a young boy that was in trouble, and you were mentoring him and trying to get him through the court system. You went to court with him and he spiked your drink. Is that right?
8: That's correct. Yep.
0: Tell, tell my listeners that story. Uh,
8: he basically thought it was funny to spike spike my drink. I ended up in hospital not knowing what, what all psychosis and everything like that. And one thing I can tell anyone who has ever even thought about it, it happened around about eight months ago now, and mm-hmm. I'm still feeling the effects mm-hmm. from just that one episode from uh, having that drug forced upon me, is the best way to put it.
9: But the
0: the background, I I did skim over it. This was a young boy. How old?
8: uh, He was uh, 15.
0: 15. He was in trouble with the law. He had a Mm -hmm. dreadful background. And you, as the um, leader of the outreach ministries, um, were trying to help him. You, You sat through court cases with him?
8: That's exactly it, yep. You, you helped
0: him find legal representation. You were trying to get him through a really tough time. Mm-hmm. Keep going?
8: Yep. And, uh, yeah, we, the, the last court case that I went with him, uh, they were talking about whether they put him on remand. Um, I spoke up for him, and uh, that was how he repaid me, basically.
0: He thought it would be funny to spike your drink. What did he spike it with? Did they find out? Yeah, it was meth. Meth. And it spun you out. You lost a week of your life.
8: Basically lost a week of my life. And even eight months later, there's still a lot of flow on effects. And and it really, the best description I can give anyone is it really does cook you. And I'm probably not going to be the same as what I was before that incident. And, you know, I'm lucky i got good doctors around me and, and that kind of stuff to help me get through it all but it really does destroy you. So I would say if, you know, if it was a family member of mine or someone I was working with, if they were on meth, I'd be walking away because there's really very little you can do for them. Uh, Would you
0: say the same uh, about someone who's on heroin? No. No,
8: heroin, you can definitely help people. Uh, Pots, you know, even some of these tablets that... uh, you know, people take it at raves and whatnot. You can still help people. Uh, Mess, just in my experience, just fries you way too much, and there's very little that you can do to help someone unless you are adequately medically trained with all that back up behind you as a normal layperson like myself.
0: that This 15-year-old kid, did he admit to you that he did this? Privately, he did, but unfortunately,
8: you know, the law in Queensland is pretty weak. There was no way of proving that he'd actually done it.
0: But he he told you that he did it. Yeah. Do you forgive him?
8: <sighs> Trying to. Hmm. Trying to, but it's a bit. Uh, forgiveness is a bit like grief. There's not a definitive timeline on that, and you know, you have to work through your own emotions and and get to a point where you're ready to do that. And uh, I'll be honest, at the moment, I'm not.
0: What would Jesus do? Uh,
8: Probably kick me up the arse and say you should be doing a bit of a better job. But uh, I am only human after all. And, uh, you know, I just need a little bit more time.
0: Well, uh, we love you here in the night shift. Um, You take care of yourself. Will do. And I do have one other
8: answer for you to a question that you posed. What was the question? About why us Poms drink warm beer.
0: Well, I don't consider you a POM. Well, I'm a 10. Well, my, my parents came over. Your a, a parents did. Yeah, but you were born here.
8: Yeah, but I've still got the genetics of a POM, which means I have to drink my well, beer you, warm because.
6: Yeah,
0: but well, you have the genetics of a POM. So what? You can't play cricket and you're a winjoke and you like warm beer, basically. That's. That's in your well, it's not, That's in your DNA. You know. That's
8: it. But we drink the warm beer because have you ever seen a pond with good teeth? <laughs> Anything that's too cold hurts our teeth. We've got to drink it warm. Is that true? I don't know, but it sounded good at the time, mate.
0: One triple three five three is the phone number. The Reverend Jim Reynolds. Thank you, brother. Buddy, it's good to hear you.
8: You take care, mate. I'll catch up with you very soon.
0: Did you have fun on the man cave last Friday? Mate, I
8: can't wait for the next invite.
0: Well, Thomas does the roster. You'll be you'll be in rotation, okay?
8: Mate, sounds like a plan.
0: Okay, buddy. You take care. All right. See you soon. Bye. It's another interesting topic, isn't it? Forgiveness. So, I mean, he did skim over a fair bit of that, but this young boy, this troubled boy up in Queensland, in all sorts of trouble, about to go into juvenile detention, the Reverend Jim was seeing him through this very difficult period, um, took him in, sat with him in court, organized lawyers and really tried to help this kid. And the way he repaid him was he spiked his drink. And eight months later, the Reverend Jim still isn't quite right. It really cooked him. It, it affects Drugs affect people in different ways. The Reverend Jim, eight months later, still isn't quite right because this 15-year-old kid thought it would be fun to spike his drink with meth. And uh, he's struggling to forgive him. Anyway, he's a great friend of the program, great friend of mine, the Reverend Jim Reynolds. One triple three five three is the number. This is the night shift on Triple M. Those folks on hold, I see you there. Don't go away. I'll get to each and every one of you. And coming up in an hour, the quickie, the clues on our podcast. Have a listen. You might crack it. You know. If you're like me, you hate the mozzies and flies. Um, There was a story, uh, and I should be talking to Dr. Norrie about this next week. Uh, Ross River fever is back in Australia, and it's really, really serious. You don't want to get Ross River fever uh, because it sticks around forever, and it's spread by mosquitoes, not to mention the other diseases spread by mosquitoes. If you want to keep these pesky summer invaders away, have we got something for you. It's from Pestrol. Now, Andrew Fennell is the owner of Pestrol and I've known him 20 years, 20 years. I met him in 2002 and I've been doing business with Andrew from Pestrol all these years. Every one of his products works and it comes with a guarantee and it's also home delivered anywhere in Australia. Now, what he's got for the mozzies and the flies, is this thing called the Executioner XXL. This is the biggest in their range. It is the bad boy. It is the big daddy of fly mozzie zappers. It is a total game changer. And it doesn't just repel them. It annihilates them fast. And guess what? It works with a 300-meter square coverage. And here is the kicker. If you order the Executioner XL now, they're going to throw in this fantastic gadget. It's the Tennis Racket Zapper. They'll throw it in for free. Um, it's like Well, it's like a badminton racket, a tennis racket. But the strings are electrified and you whack, <laughs> give it to the kids at next time we have a barbecue. The kids whack the flies and the mozzies with it. It's, it's a lot of fun and it works. That's free. But he's only got 10 every morning to give away. So for the first 10 customers right now that go to pestrol.com.au, order the Executioner double XL. you'll get the Tennis Racket Zapper for free and free delivery. Now, just use the code BONA, B-O-N-A, PESTROL, P-E-S-T-R-O-L. But you better hurry. There's only 10 available right now. Don't let the flies and mozzies ruin your summer. And don't let the mozzies spread those terrible diseases. The Executioner XXL. Enjoy your great outdoors pest-free. Pestrol. P-E-S-T-R-O-L. au. Back in a sec. We got the quickie coming up in an hour. If you want to have a listen to it and a listen to today's clue, go to our podcast now. The Night Shift on Triple M and you'll have a listen. And uh, I, I think it, it, it might go off today with today's clue. I think it just might. Look who's online. (laughs) Good morning. Granny Sue. How are you, Dale? From Yorkie's Knob. Hey, I'm good.
10: And it was so nice to see your photo on Facebook tonight.
0: What happened? Where was it? What?
10: (laughs) You were on Facebook telling us what was going to be on Thursday night's program.
0: Oh, look, this is something Thomas has got me doing, and I'm not happy about it. Why not? Uh, Because it's my face. So I what's a, wrong with that? I've got a, it's the old saying. I've got a good face for radio. I don't know how channel. <laughs> I don't know how Channel Seven. Why they keep asking me back? No, I'm serious. But anyway, Thomas has got this thing where he he we do a little video thing, and I talk to people and tell them what's coming up on the program. And yeah. I've, got, I've got to be honest. So many people watch it. It's frightening. <laughs> it's
6: frightening. No, no
10: it's not. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. No, it's now, frightening. It, now you were talking about telephones. I can tell you a little bit about the telephone.
0: Okay, f- yeah, because I mean you're old enough. To, you, you, you actually uh, dated Alexander Graham Bell at one point, didn't you? <laughs>
10: Not quite. That okay, bad, but sorry. Anyway, anyway so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Luke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love you too. Uh, um, and, that, and that was after you got your tattoo. Anyway. <laughs> No way. Before how come? <laughs> how come the old fashioned telephone? Yes. You know the one that you used to dial with. Thomas said, "Have no idea."
10: No, 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 not dial. This is you had to turn the handle. There was no dialing. Oh, you're
0: going back that far. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, see, you are going. You're going back to Morse code almost.
10: Well, not quite. No. Well, the telephones, um, when they connected them, mm. they were connected to a. Well, we were connected to Mount Surprise, which was about uh, 200 k's away, and they ran a copper wire from Mount Surprise to our station.
0: A copper and, wire. All right.
10: And it was connected to the trees and the posts mm. by insulators, which the copper wire was wrapped around. Same as what they do if you've seen an electric fence, where they put the things off an electric fence to keep it off the fence. The little bubble things. Yeah, well, it's exactly the same sort of turnout mm-hmm. with the fence, mm-hmm. with the phone. Now, when we first got the phone, we were on a, a party line, which mm-hmm. means there was four people on the one line.
0: I, I have, when I lived in, in Young, we had a phone, and you, well, I think we had six other families who shared this one line, and they could listen in.
10: Yeah, and you, everybody had their own ring. Like ours was one short and two longs. Right. So the phone went ding, 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 and then you knew it was you to pick it up. But mm-hmm. you can listen in on everybody's phone You call. can listen yes. in.
0: Yes. And, and I remember when I used to ring Sydney to, to talk to my mum and dad, because I remember I was only 17, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I had to book the phone call. Yeah, well, that's right too. And the yeah. operator used to ring. I'd say, can I book it at six o'clock this Sunday night? Or, you no! Know, you would you would pick a time at the at the cheapest because it was, um, yes. I think it was a uh, dollar a minute, <laughs> something ridiculous. And you and the operator would ring back. They would ring them first and say, I "Have uh, Mr. Luke Boner ringing you? Are you ready to go?" And then the, the, the other party would be ready. Then she would ring me. The, all the other six families could listen in if they wanted to, and you had to book. And it was called an STD. Call. That's that's exactly right. And unfortunately, STD means something else now. <laughs> but it was yes. call, it was call, it was called an ST What does STD stand for?
10: I have no idea. I think standard time dialing. Dialing, I think.
0: Yes. yes, but now it has a completely different meaning. <laughs> yeah,
10: you I see know. What he says.
0: I know. Jesus. Now, pe- now, now, people do STD FaceTime anyway. <laughs> anyway.
10: So there's just, 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 oh, you're a shocker. There's I'm just on, a, I'm on a fire. Little... I'm on fire.
0: There's just. Yes, but there's an ointment for that. <laughs> it's an itchy.
10: <laughs> well, you know how to get rid of crabs, don't you?
0: Uh, why? How?
10: You put a mirror in the bottom of the bucket. <laughs> And the other thing, <laughs> you, <laughs> the other thing, you know, you talk about people walking out on dates. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, poor, yeah. That that poor fella that walked out on that woman that ate all them oysters. He was too scared to stay there. That's why he left.
0: She ate, she ate forty eight oysters. Yeah, well, that's why he left. He wouldn't get a hang around for what the result of that was going to be. <laughs> well, they reckon they reckon at least eight out of every, every twelve works. Every- <laughs> Oh my lord, Maud.
10: <laughs>
0: oh, oh God. dearie, me.
6: Oh.
10: <laughs> okay, all
0: right. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry.
1: I think I've lost my appetite. I don't know if I want to eat oysters now. They
0: call them the love clam.
6: Why is that?
10: <laughs> well, actually, if you're up in the t- up in the in the Gulf, we get like a, a mussel, and we just call them the bearded clam. Now stop! <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is this is nearly R-rated. This is not no, good. it's
0: not. It's all, you're talking about muscles, aren't you?
11: Yes, and, I am. And you've got a little
0: beard on them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you've got to get rid of the beard before you eat the muscle. What? Yes, you do. It's
1: a bit like prawns with their long moustaches
0: and no. all their oh. other things. <laughs> anyway, anyway, have you ever walked out on a date? Uh, no. No. I haven't had that many. <laughs> yeah, but what, but what about the date? <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> oh, you're bad. It was Valentine's Day yesterday. Did you do anything special?
10: Yeah. Uh, no? No? No. Not, nobody even rang me or did anything. Oh, I it should was, have rang you. All, I was all alone and sad. I and, should have you know. sent
0: you some flowers. I should have, <laughs> no, se- you
10: shouldn't, should,
0: have, should have sent you some clams or something.
10: <laughs> as long as they weren't bearded, I don't uh, care. Exactly. I don't eat that. Stuff I can't eat seafood, so it's all good. Anyway, why did you ring me? That's why I rang mean. you. Okay. Just congratulate you on your photo on Facebook. Okay. Basically, so and I'm it gonna, just.
0: Okay, I'm going to go. And it,
10: <laughs> and it all just went downhill from then.
0: It did indeed. <laughs> good, good
10: goodbye. Good see you, love. You have a good night. Love ya. Bye.
0: Granny Sue, from Yorkies Knob. God love her. God love her and her cotton socks. One triple three five three is the telephone number. We now resume normal programming. Good <laughs> day, Cheryl.
5: Okay. Oh, How are you going? I'm, I'm losing my voice. Good. That's going to be a hard act to follow, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Granny Sue from Yorkies Knob. She, she is a hard act to follow, but we love her. Yeah. Anyway, this might be a little bit boring, but about health funds. Okay, no, it's not boring. It's important. More and more Australians are now saying, hang on, why am I paying all this money into a private health fund? I'd rather pay the extra tax. I'm still saving a lot of money, and they want to get rid of their private health funds because they don't believe that they're getting value for money. What are your thoughts, Cheryl? Cheryl.
5: Uh, well, I agree um, with that. We, we paid into a fund for nearly 30 years under my husband's 30 child. years, yeah? Yeah, well, we couldn't afford it when we went on the pension. But anyway, nearly seven years ago, I'm 77 now, um, nearly seven years ago, I had breast cancer through the public system and it didn't cost me a penny. I had the operation within a week and I had the radiation straight away
0: and, all um, through the public system? Well through the public system. didn't Are you okay? Question. My number one question is, are you all right?
5: Well, it's coming up seven years, and that's that's how I found your show.
0: because Days incarceration. Do you think you'll ever go back to jail? Mate, I can lay
10: everything I own, and I own a fair bit, that I will never do anything that will jeopardise my freedom again.
0: So jail did that to you. It taught you that life inside is that bad, that scary, that you'll never, ever go back. Mate, 100%. I just wonder why the statistics don't show what you're saying, and I hear what you're saying. The statistics are that nearly 70% of prisoners who have been in jail for five years or more end up back in jail after 12 months
10: thing is, when it comes to that, now, I, there is some members of my family that have spent 90% of their life inside. Like, my, there's one of my uncles, for example, here, right? You know, I never really knew him right up until I was nearly 25. Now, that's because he was forever
6: in and out, in and out, in and out of jail.
0: Why? If jail's so tough and harsh, and scary, how come he kept going back? Because they get used to it. They They become institutionalised. Exactly. And life, I've heard this, and that life in jail is a lot easier than life on the outside for some people because every decision is made for you, your meals are there, and you know the rules, and life for some people in jail is a lot, lot easier because everything is regimented. I've got to keep going, Harley. Thank you for being so honest. Thanks, mate. Take care. What do you make of that? One triple three five three is the telephone number. Quick break, be back. This is the night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. I wonder how many people... Did many people go onto our podcast and actually download or listen to Bob Davis from Hard Yakka? Because I just wonder if it's worth replaying, because... <sighs> Do juvenile offenders need incarceration? Everyone says, look, the reason there aren't consequences is because magistrates are low to send young offenders off to jail. They're worried that they come out of jail, even if it is juvenile detention. They come out worse criminals than when they went in. A lot of people say juvenile detention's a holiday camp, that it's not punishment, and that... Um, a lot of kids deliberately commit crimes so that they can go into detention because it's a lot better and safer than living at home with dead shit parents. But um, Bob Davis was interesting, wasn't he, Thomas? Did many people listen to it?
1: Yeah, it was one of our biggest podcasts of the week. Uh, many people went in, uh, went to go listen to it because I think what he has to say is compelling and what he's doing is fantastic.
0: I might replay a little bit of it uh, this morning. Uh, maybe after the, we give people a listen to the quickie. Yeah, good call. Yeah, next hour. So just if you're with me and you you didn't hear Bob Davis, he runs, he's ex-military, and he runs a military-style youth boot camp for juvenile delinquents, and he has a 90% success rate. It's tough love, but he says this is what we need. And the reason we got onto Bob Davis, it was through Pauline Hanson, wasn't it? It was Senator Pauline Hanson who we spoke to a couple of weeks ago, and she said you should find this place called Hard Yakka. They're getting results. So I'll replay Bob Davis a bit later this morning for those who missed it, and then um, I would open the lines up, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on, on Bob Davis's theory on fixing youth crime. One triple three five three. Robin, hello. Hi. How are
4: you
0: going? I'm good, Robin. Thanks for waiting on.
4: That's okay. Um, I actually was going to call to, um, talk about private health, but yes, uh, and how, and how it's, um, benefited me. And it just so happened that you opened up the conversation about people who have drinking problems and
0: yeah. And, and intervening when you know you have a friend that has a problem, do you say something and try and point it out to them or do you just brush them?
4: Well, I'm the one that had the problem.
0: You had a problem. i the problem. Robin, oh, I've got the problem. Robin, I'm all ears. Tell me your story.
4: Um, so I was drinking quite heavily just due to um, trauma from my job. Um, I work emergency services, um, and basically I was drinking to numb the anxiety and to go to sleep because I was getting night tremors. Um, Were you drinking every day? Pretty much um, probably mu- pretty much after a shift or, um, on a day or, or something like that.
0: Yeah. And, and what were you drinking? Spirits, wine, beer? What was it?
4: Um, I could drink a bottle of whiskey.
0: You would drink a bottle of whiskey every day?
4: Not every day, but n- not far off.
0: Okay. And do you think you were able to hide it? I mean, were you a functioning alcoholic?
4: Um, I think I was getting towards that, um, but my parents ended up moving in with me for financial reasons to give everyone a hand, and um, that's when they started to recognise that I had a problem. Um, Were
0: you deliberately hiding it?
4: Oh, of course. It, that's, when it, that's when it got worse, is when they moved in and I started to hide it, stay in my room and disguise and lie and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. Keep going. T- t- tell me about it.
4: So, yeah. Um, my parents um, encouraged me to talk to my doctor. I've got an amazing GP who referred me to a psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist um, has, there's a, um, a hospital in Brisbane where um, it's a rehab facility. You do two weeks in the rehab facility. And then you, when you come out, you can do a day patient program, which is every week. I haven't paid a cent for it because of my private health.
0: It was all covered by private health.
4: All covered. I mean, I
0: think that's absolutely fantastic. I'm just amazed that my private health wouldn't fix my cataract and I couldn't see out of one eye. Well, my
4: private health is a little bit more expensive, but um, it's yeah. worth what I've got out of it because it, when I went for the um, the two weeks, it was about 25000
0: Wow. And did it help?
4: It does. Like, it's probably taken me probably three years to work out that I need to get sober. Um, when
0: you were in this rehab... Did you try and sneak alcohol in?
4: No. So um, this rehab is um, one where you have your own room, you have all your own phone, all that sort of stuff. You can leave whenever you want, but you get breathalyzed when you come back in. Um, if you get um, found out that you were drinking on the ward, um, your doctor gets called immediately, and then you might get banned. Depends on so they your could they, they
0: could kick you out
4: for a certain amount of time. They never give up on you. They might say, you're gonna be banned now for the next month, but you still have to get some sort of therapy. Um, but I just wish that more people knew about these, this facility. And it's not bad. Like I know from my job, I'm thinking rehab facilities are gonna be like meth addicts. There's gonna be hmm. criminals, and lots of stuff. But these people in this the facility, you got doctors, coppers, nurses, teachers, politicians, you know, they're everyday people. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant that you can go there every week, you see a doctor, you see nurse, you spend the day with your group. And I'm the sort of person that I don't like to share what's going on in my life with my family, like with, with drinking and stresses and all that. But it's the only place where you can go to where you can be completely honest. And if you're having cravings and people work out, you know, if you're having a shit time and that's sort the of thing, um, they will, you know, give you a hand, and you get to know everyone. You get fed. You know, it's just re- it's really worked. And you've got to understand that there are some people who have drinking problems who can never safely drink. There's something wrong mm, in their brain yeah. that they just can't can't safely drink and be all their life Yeah. But what you got? What i have been trying to work out is you've got to work out why you lapse and why you keep drinking and normally there's an underlying foundation that you've got some stresses. Mine is worse. Um, And I'm working on that. And I find that when I lapse, and I do lapse every now and then, but the gaps between the lapses are getting bigger.
0: Well, good on you, Robin. I wish you all the best. Thank you for being so bloody honest.
4: Thank you, no worries.
0: Do you have children?
4: No, no, I'm on my own.
0: Do you want to have children one day?
4: Oh, I think I'm past that. <laughs> I'm, I'm 42, but... No, oh. I'm the saying I can't afford
0: it. Yes, I'm. Uh, you, don't, you, you, you didn't have children because of the money, and I, it sounds to me as though with your with your life, you weren't ready to have children. You no. you had your own problems to sort out. I wish you yeah. all. I re, I really do wish you all the best, Robin. Thank you so much for sharing.
4: No worries. Thank you. You take care. You too.
0: Bye bye. You are I'm triple three. Five, three is the telephone number. If you relate to that, give us a call. It's amazing, isn't it, the people that are listening, the stories you hear here on the Night Shift on Triple M. Yes, and I can't stop thinking about it. Chrissy Amphlett and the, the Vinyls here on the Night Shift with uh, Luke Boner. And a reminder that tomorrow the, uh, the Man Cave is on, the Man Cave 1 till 3, three hours of the Man Cave, because what we've found is, uh, and Thomas will ver- verify this, we still have so much to do at the end of the man cave, and we're only leaving ourselves an hour to do it. So the man cave will go from 1 to 3, Eastern Standard Daylight Saving Time, starting tomorrow.
1: 12 to 3 or 1 to 3?
0: 12 to 3.
1: There we go. What did I say? You said 1 to 3. Well, see,
0: that's my problem. See, I'm all stuffed up.
1: I've got to keep you on the straight and
0: narrow. I'm all stuffed up. The Man Cave, midnight to three tomorrow. Adam McDonald, the vice captain, the uh, Mr. Memorabilia. He is the general manager of All Bids Auctions, the largest online auction house possibly in the world, definitely in the Southern Hemisphere. And the Queen of Australian Sports reporting, Michelle Bishop, she will join us on the Man Cave tomorrow where we'll have a look at the news in review, we'll talk shit, we'll have fun, we'll have a laugh, and we'll play some classic 80s rock across the Triple M network. The Man Cave tomorrow, midnight to three.
12: Brett's online. day, Brett. G'day, Luke. How you doing? I'm really well. Where are you? I'm in Brisbane. And how come you're up? Well, <laughs> I drive for post. I'm a truck driver.
0: Good on you. Well, it's nice yeah. nice to have your company. Thanks for joining yeah. us.
12: Yeah, well, it's the first time I've called in. Long-time listener, as usual. Good you on know, you. Everyone says. Good on you, Brett. So, yeah. hey, what are we talking about? Well, we're going to talk about, uh, I heard on there, you were talking about the uh, old landlines, uh, how they used to be powered up, and whoever it was was talking about copper lines, that sort of stuff. Uh, well, the reason we got onto it, yeah. Is because so many of my listeners
0: throughout Victoria are still in darkness because yeah. be- because of the power blackout. Mm. And I was gonna say, if you're in if you're in Victoria and your power's still out, give us a call, one triple three five three and tell us. And then I I stopped myself and I thought, well, hang on. If they've got no power, they haven't been able to charge their mobiles, and I don't want them to waste precious battery on talking to a gibberer like me. Mm-hmm. And yep. then I then my brain, this is what my brain does, Brett. <laughs> my brain went sideways. Yeah. And I thought, I remember the old dial up phones on your landline. Yes. And they still worked in a blackout. Mm-hmm. That's and cool. you were able to ring triple zero for emergencies or anything else, even in a blackout. And so then my brain, Brett, <laughs> said to me, How did that work? Because there must have been some power attached to your landline to make the thing work. It didn't work through fresh air.
12: No, that's right. Yeah. And
0: there so was... I, so th- this is how my brain works, Brett. So n- now you've got the background. Yep. Mm-hmm.
12: Yep. And how can you shed light on all of this? Well, in a, in a previous life, I used to work for uh, Telstra. Or telecom, actually, back in those days. You, you are going back, up. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and uh, I used to be an exchange maintenance technician. Okay. And what did um, that involve? Well, that was basically uh, you, you get orders and you would hook up um, in, in the actual telephone exchanges. They used to what we call mainframes, main distribution frames. And we used to run wires from a one point to another point and that was actually hooking up your telephone line to your premises in the Exchange itself. And then after we've done that, then you've got your lines people who are out in the field who used to then, you know, the uh, the pillars that you see in the on the streets, Yeah. Uh, used to go out there and, and do the actual connecting up of the wires that would get your phone line through to your premises itself. And, of course, then, of course, you'd have your uh, technicians going out to the houses and wiring in your wires in your... In your walls and stuff like that, up to your phone sockets. Getting your phone put on was yeah. an absolute necessity, but it, yeah, but it was a rigmarole. Yes, yes, yes. It was. It was pretty, pretty much, in, very much involved with a, a, lot of people. And but what getting back to the actual subject of why yeah. uh, while well, your phone would still work, yes, is because in the telephone exchanges we used to have great big banks of batteries that we used to sit in there, and then also we had generators, which we had to keep fueled up with diesel, and when the power would go down, there would be just a short break, and the, uh, the actual batteries would kick in and keep the phone lines going, and then if the outage was a fair distance of time, yeah, then the actual generators would then kick in and keep the, the actual power in the batteries itself. So the bat. So the power that powered your home phone... Yes. It, was batteries, basically. But it, but but it wasn't, your, but they were yeah. powered. Yes, they were yes, pow- yes. It ran on a DC power, uh, direct current power. And what would recharge these batteries? Oh, well, the actual um, generator, if, if the batteries were running low, the, a, uh, a diesel generator would then kick in and actually keep the charge in the batteries. But once the power, the AC power came back on... That would then charge the uh, the batteries up. The diesel the generator would cut off. Wow! It was it, yeah. it was it was huge, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, but that was the thing.
0: See, Thomas is too way, way, way too young to remember this. But that's why your home phone. And when you move somewhere, Thomas, if you wanted to be contactable, you had to get your phone put on. And it, like you, your you share uh, your rental accommodation. You're about to move somewhere else with a mate. And you don't have to worry about phones anymore because you've you've all got your your mobiles.
1: Yeah, that's right. But I remember being about probably five or six years old and when we made a significant move, we had to install the home phone. That's right. I do
0: recall that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. But the thing is, something you probably don't remember, is that it worked during a blackout. At five, you probably wouldn't remember that. But the phone worked during a blackout. And now all these people in Victoria, thousands of them still without power, I don't want. I don't. I actually don't want them to ring me and tell me
12: if they've got power or not, because I don't want them to waste their mobile phone battery. That's right. And if they had um, actual home phones still mm. connected instead of using mobile network, then they probably would still be able to make phone calls. They would still be able to make phone. And, hmm. and most importantly, be able to ring triple zero. Now, do you
0: remember when? Yes. Op- you Remember when Optus had their big woohoo? Mm. Yes. <laughs> and they they said, "Oh, you'll still be able to ring triple zero emergency." And people couldn't. Mm. If we had the old fashioned landline, you could ring triple zero, but you could ring that's anyone. Right. Yep, that's right. Tell me exactly. that. Brett. You've been fantastic, Brett. Tell me this. Yeah. How come in your phone book? Yes. The white pages. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a big warning there. Do not use your phone. Yes. During a thunderstorm, an electrical storm. Yes. And there was a yes, pic- yes. there was a picture of a handset with lightning coming out of the ear hole. Yep. To, yes. To, to demonstrate
12: to you how dangerous it could be. Was that a real threat? Yes. Ex- yes, yes exp- still, explain it was. That. Well, I mean, with, uh, with lightning, if lightning would strike anything uh, electrical, like cabling or anything like that, the actual charge itself would be able to go through the the wiring itself, through the streets, through under the ground and up into your houses sort of thing. And that's why if you get a lightning strike and you don't have uh, your appliances or anything like that on surge protecting, then you have a chance of them actually blowing out circuit breakers and stuff like that because of the power surge that's involved with a lightning strike. So if you if a lightning strike, you know, and you didn't even have to um, be close to where the lightning would uh, strike no, either, right? Uh, you know, you could have a lightning strike, you know, several suburbs over, and if it managed to get into the actual cabling, that could then travel along and come the out and come itself. out through your
0: earpiece and into and, your brain,
12: and basically, you know, burn out all the circuitry in in your telephones. Did we actually ever have Australians' ears being burnt off?
0: I, but by using the phone during a thunderstorm? Did that ever happen? They should give us I a call. Don't, I give, don't it, give, think it, so. give us a call. If <laughs> get 1-335-3. Three, three, that's right. If your hearing yep. was impaired. <laughs> <laughs>
13: yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what was that? Give us a call.
12: Sorry.
13: <laughs> no, no,
12: that's, that's cool. So, sorry. Anyway,
0: they were they were great days and I I just yeah. remember the the great big fat phone book and it got so fat in Sydney they had to they had to divide it into two yep. uh, a, to, a to k l to z yep and so then Same you, up in Brisbane so then you got two phone yeah. books and the yeah. amazing thing about the phone book uh number one police found it quite handy when the questioning um See. suspects <laughs> Um, oh no no no! They never used to do that. Come on, just just watch Blue Live uh, <laughs> fe- featuring Roger Rogerson and and Eddie uh, Smith, and you'll see it used to, to a perfect example. But no, mm. um, it gave uh, little kids something to stand on so they could reach the phone. Yep. But mainly, this was the amazing thing about the white pages. The yellow pages started off the back half of the phone book, and that was mm. for businesses. Yep. Then they got their own book as mm. as the um, as the uh, address, the the phone book for addresses got thicker and thicker. People used to put their name and their address (laughs) and their phone number in a book that anyone could read. Mm -hmm. And to be omitted from the white pages, you had to pay extra. Yep. That's right. Yeah, if you wanted to sign a line or anything like that. Let me just just tell you a story, Brett. Yeah. When um, I was in my younger days in radio, and you were looking to talk to, like you would read somebody's name in the newspaper, and you'd want to interview that source of that news story on the radio, nine times out of ten, you'd open the white pages, Mm -hmm. and there they were, and you'd ring the number, and they'd answer. Yeah. Yeah. It made life in the newsroom very, very easy. I mean, Mm -hmm. even politicians, doctors, Everybody was in the phone in, book. There, there was their name, but not just their name and phone number. Their
12: address, their address as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's God. right. God, it was a, it was a wonderful, simpler life, wasn't it? Yeah, it was back then. Yeah, <laughs> making me feel my age. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you, thank, uh, thank
0: you so much, Brett. You've been great. I really no, appreciate no, your that's call. Okay.
12: Yeah, no, all all good, mate. Take it easy. I'll hopefully, with a bit of luck, I might come on again and ring you and come up with something else to come up with. I would absolutely love it. You're welcome anytime. Thank you so cool. much. Cool. Thanks very much, Luke.
0: Have a good one. The old white pages A to K, L to Z when it got busy, and uh, yeah, then the yellow pages had their own book, and that's where you found businesses. But yeah, people they actually had their name and the and their initial, and t- their two initials if if you had two initials, and your ad- their address and their phone number, it was all published, and the, the phone book was delivered for free. And Every house had it. Amazing days, eh? Amazing days. You know, if it's green and it grows, you're going to love Swift Grow, this amazing organic fertiliser. Everybody loves it. And people ring me. People ring me to say, Luke, thank you so much for the Swift Grow um, ever since I've used it. My life's changed forever. What about Pat, who rang a couple of weeks ago?
4: But I put some on my lawn, Luke, in a certain spot. Yep. And a couple of weeks later when my lawnmower man came and said, what's happened to your lawn? Mm. He said, what? I said, why? He said, because it's grown really well here and it's short over there. So there you go. So my, my petunias had grown at least six inches, you know, in, in about a week and a half. And as I said to Thomas, if I hadn't had that mm. and finished myself, uh, so anybody who's, who's doubting that it doesn't work, it surely does.
0: Nikki bought a plant. It's called a tiger grass. It looks a little bit kind of like a kind of bamboo, right? It grows uh, vertically and it has uh, the big, slightly bigger leaves than the bamboo. And we, we planted it to fill in the gap. in a a, a hole in our uh, hydrangeas, hibiscus, hibiscus to give us a bit of privacy. It's grown a foot in a week, a foot in a week. Now, we we were wondering what it was going to do because we were concerned it didn't get enough direct sunlight because they need a fair bit of light. I mean, it's like a grass. It is a grass, like bamboo, needs light. It's grown a foot in a week just with the Swift Grow. Swiftgrow.com.au, a five-litre bottle, 120 bucks, and that includes free delivery Australia-wide. This is the best stuff you'll ever put on your garden. Trust me, swiftgrow.com.au, swiftgrow.com. If it's green and it grows, you will just love it. We'll take a quick break, and I'll give you a listen to the quickie, and today's clue is coming up. Okay, the quickie. So it's clue number one because the quickie's into day number two, okay? You get that? Because on day one, we don't give a clue. We don't give a clue on day number one. So today, clue number one, the quickie sounds like this. And the clue is it's a 1980s song. That was the clue. Is that what you told me to say? That's right. It's a 1980s song that you all know. You, in fact, I reckon you all know every word. Sounds like this. That's the quickie. One, triple, three, five, three. Have a crack. And you might just win yourself a Triple M T-shirt. This is The Night Shift. The Night Shift. On the Triple M Network. Rizzo's been waiting on. Good day.
9: you going, mate?
0: Rizzo the concreter. How are you? I'm good. Can you take me off loudspeaker, please? So that we can hear each other a bit better.
9: Oh, yeah, sorry, mate. How are you,
0: mate? I'm good, Rizzo. What did you want to say?
9: Oh, a couple of things, mate. About that uh, alcohol stuff, with people getting drunk and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, but are you talking directly into your phone?
9: Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. You yeah, are. Right, now, man. You are now. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. It's talking to somebody that needs talking to, and uh, it, it all started with comments about Barnaby Joyce. Yeah, um, who's who? People close to him will tell you that uh, he loves a beer, and sometimes loves a beer a bit too much. And he was in Canberra, and Canberra is a workplace for politicians, and. He overdid it. Now, he says he mixed alcohol with medication and he kn- he knows he did the wrong thing and he's taken ownership of his behaviour. It was it was a really bad look. But it just got me... And, and then I, I spoke yesterday to David Littleproud, who said that he had spoken privately to Barnaby and was trying to encourage him to take some time off and, if I can put it colloquially, get his shit together. How do you talk to someone who may have a problem with alcohol, and they don't believe they do. It's difficult, isn't it?
9: Well, you have a look at Barney but Joyce's face. It's like a beetroot. Mm. Obviously, he's got a problem.
0: So anyway, why did you ring me, Rizzo?
9: Oh, because me, look, I've had a couple of mates of mine years ago. Like, yes. Like not, they didn't drink a lot, mm. but you have, have it, they'd have a few beers in the weekend. Yeah. And turn into absolute cockheads. Yes, He's my friend.
0: No, I and I, I, I've got a friend like that. And, absolute. And you're... up until, and this friend of mine, up until four, four schooners, he'd be great. Six schooners, asshole, and you and you couldn't wait to get rid of him.
9: And you want to absolutely. You, and you want to like punch him to death, like okay, well they want to fight you and stuff like. That. But like the next day they go, oh, what happened? But they'd be the most generous, good bloke again. Mm, yeah, I know. And then following weekend, they go, oh, and they have a few beers, but everybody has to keep it on because the last weekend, it's like, it's like you're playing dice, you know what I
0: mean? I'm with you. I'm, I, you, have, you, know I mean? you have no idea how much I know what you mean.
9: Oh, mate, unbelievable. But another thing I want to talk about, you know, talking about uh, your uh, the, uh, private health?
0: Yes. Is it worth it? Do you have private health?
9: No. Yeah, yeah, I do, mate. I do, I, and I only joined up last October, just gone last year. Just gone. Why
0: did you wait so long? How come you you joined up just last year?
9: Because I was a goose. <laughs> because because I'm a concrete right.
0: Yeah.
9: And I had back surgery. I had um, uh, laminectomy surgery last uh, August last year. Just gone. Mm. And now my hips gone. So I joined up with um, uh, private health yeah. in. Um, Uh, October just gone
6: yes
9: but what you've got to make sure of you know how you said about your cataracts and all that sort of stuff Mm. what you've got to make sure of because my surgeon said to me he goes triple check your coverage Mm. because what people don't realise sometimes he goes he's had patients in there Mm. and gone oh yeah I'm covered but it could be for joint reconstructions not joint replacements yeah you know what I mean. Mm. So you go, oh yeah, yeah, I need I, I need hip surgery. And all of a sudden, they're booked in for surgery, and, and the and the and they're, they're, uh, and the insurance company goes, oh, but that's for joint reconstruction, not joint replacement. Yeah,
0: yep, yep. It's like when you insure your house for flood damage or water damage, two different things.
9: Exactly right.
0: Yep, you, you're a hundred percent. But when I joined, I joined. Uh, you know, eight or nine or ten years earlier and had paid my premium every month. I, it was about ten years before I, I, I realised I couldn't see out of my eye and we were paying the second top tier. And the reason we didn't pay top tier is because the top tier included maternity. Yep. And we didn't
9: need that. Yeah, that's right. That's what they said to me. Oh, you got any children? I said, well, no, I'm nearly 50. I'm 50. I said... No, I don't. Obviously, need that nothing not to do with pregnancy and la da da. But I always made sure I'll cover everything else because of my job. Yeah, and so I'm just get all that. So I got all that sort of stuff covered now. But that's what where people can't come can, can come unstuck. Yeah, yeah. You
0: know, you're a hundred percent, Rizzo. Thank you. And you you do have a very physical job, so you're going to be looking at knees and ankles and hips and all that sort of stuff. So. You say that you're a tool by not joining before October last year. At least you joined now. At least you joined.
9: Exactly. right. another thing I want to talk to you about also is that you're talking about the yellow pages and all that sort of stuff. Yes. Yeah. How's yeah, this one? Like I mean, like like uh, like 1998 and all that sort of stuff. When I was like, I, I was I've been in the construction industry since I was 20, right? So I'm talking 1993. Yeah. But um, look, but, but I didn't have a mobile phone then and all that sort of stuff. No one did. But when I started subbing in like 97, 98. I s I st I only just sort of got a mobile phone, but didn't have that Google stuff or none of that sort of yeah, stuff. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all our subbies, we used to keep our yellow pages in the, in the ute with us. So I old oh, mate, run out a bit of work, you just grab the yellow pages and ring anybody up and just go, go to the phone box or use your mobile. Yeah. Because no one had Google on their phone. So we always had a yellow pages in our ute. Of course you did. I know. Yeah.
0: I know. And you tell the Thomases and the young ones today, they just won't believe how we got by. And you know what? We did get by. And we didn't have satellite navigation. Where were you born and bred, Rizzo?
9: I was born in I was born in Albury, but I came to Brisbane when I was twenty two months old.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what you had in in um, in Brisbane, but in Sydney we had the Gregory Street directory or a Sidways, and you read the map. And this is before satellite navigation, and we got by.
9: I still got a Referdex in my Ute now, and yeah. I actually met my Dad the other day because he doesn't believe in touch phones and stuff like Melways,
0: Melways in Victoria. Yeah,
9: yeah, yeah. Sorry, Rizzo. Yeah. No, you're right, mate. And uh, I was Cubit or whatever it is now here. And um, I'll give me. It was uh, the last one I bought was a 2007 or 2017 or 2019 one, just to have it in my just in case. Yes. And um, dad goes, oh, I've got to go to get an X-ray done. I said, well, just Google it. And he goes, I don't, I don't understand that shit. I said, right, I know. <laughs> he, doesn't know he doesn't want to know about it. So I grabbed the referdex. I said, here's the referdex. <laughs> he goes right. on know. put his glasses on. Said right. I know. And I drew it. And I put an outline. And then I put like um. Isn't have you got to go to map seventeen. Map 21. yeah. So,
0: so you would you would go to the index, Thomas, and you'd look up Smith Street, Blacktown. Smith Street. And there'd be a million Smith Street, Smith Street, Blacktown, Blacktown. Okay, and it would say twenty-four A. Whatever. So you go to page twenty-four,
9: mm-hmm.
0: and you get to the A, and you'd come down, yep. and it would meet the F. Yeah,
9: exactly. And, where exactly. Are, and then
0: you'd look at the map, and you'd and then you'd have to. Sometimes you'd have to go across four or five pages.
9: Yeah, that's that's what I did for my dad. So I like I indexed it for him, but I actually drew a, a pen over all the streets and put like different pieces of paper through each bit of page, to, so you could so, I could find out where to go. I said one, two, three, four. <laughs> and he got through it. He got through it.
0: But he got, but he got there. I remember the first satellite navigation we ever got wasn't on a phone. It was a separate gadget called TomTom. It's like coordinates.
9: you got to coordinate Tom
0: TomTom. Uh, yeah. And, and we thought it was just the bee's knees this Tom, This TomTom. It. Yeah. Unreal. A, Unbelievable. Hey, Rizzo, lovely talking to you. Thanks for your time. Hey, happy days, mate. All the best. Call me back anytime. Cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you. See you, mate. Bye bye. 133353. Three. Tom Tom. God, we thought that was Flash. And then my mate got an even flasher one called NavSAT. And it was on a flatter, sort of a wider screen. And God, we had to get that then. And I said, one day, this satellite navigation whiz bangery. It'll be standard in cars. And they said, no, it, no way. It'll, it'll, it'll make cars way too expensive. There's no way satellite navigation will ever be standard in a motor car. I remember um, I had a basketball coach and he had a very flash car and it had electric seats that went backwards and forwards and up and down. This How did go? You heard. back. <laughs> and he had electric windows, which I'd never seen before.
1: It's like Back to the Future or whatever. Oh, it was a, it
0: was a huge car. I, f- I forget what it was. It was an American car. He was an American coach. It might have been a Cadillac. And uh, he said, One day, you mark my words, electric windows and electric seats will be standard in cars. And I said, Oh, this guy's kidding. Who is this? Captain Kirk. It's this guy, William Shatner. What's he talking about? So, anyway, there you are. Hey, good day, Mick. Hello. Hello, Mick. What can I do for you? Oh, it's just a uh, bit about uh, the song. Yeah, The Quickie. I'll give you another listen, mate. It's called The Quickie. Sounds like this. And it was a huge 1980s song. What is it? Uh, Beats are burning, Midnight Oil. No, it's not. I'm sorry. Rocky, hello. Well,
14: quickie,
0: Good, thank you. I
14: just have got The Quickie. Go. John Cougar Muller Small Town.
0: No, it's not. Alistair and Toowoomba, have a go.
6: Yes, um, Quickie, I thought it might have been Bruce Springsteen dancing in the dark.
0: No, it's not. Good guesses, though. Let's keep the guesses coming. Someone will get it. Um, As Thomas would say, quite profoundly, it could be anything. The Quickie sounds like this. And it was a big 1980s hit. That's the clue. Hey, listen, if you snore, you know you snore. But listen, folks, does your partner, when he or she snores, and it's usually a bloke problem for some reason, isn't it? But anyone can snore. Anyone can suffer from uh, sleep apnea. Do you stop breathing for a period of time? That's the scary thing. Get yourself tested. And my friends at Sovay are the sleep apnea Specialists, and they have all the leading brands: ResMed, Philips, Fisher, and Paykel, and they can tailor a treatment solution for you. And testing can be bulk billed. And look, the the, the cost it can work out less than four dollars a day. But just talk to Sove and let them help you. One 762939. CPAP is used for obstructive sleep apnea treatment, always follow the directions for use. And when considering whether CPAP's right for you, speak to your doctor. They have a new ResMed CPAP machine and it's about 25% lighter and smaller. It fits in the palm of your hand. Ideal for when you're travelling or for people who have to sleep in the back of a truck. It's just fantastic. And why put your health at risk? I mean, if you have sleep apnea, your risk of heart disease increases high blood pressure, type 2 diabetes, the health benefits of getting your CPAP and getting your sleep apnea under control. I can't tell you how important it is. I wish my dad, wish we'd known about it all those years ago. Fees, terms and conditions, minimum amounts and exclusions apply. Contact CPAP, the experts in obstructive sleep apnea treatment. Sove, S-O-V-E, sove.com.au. Adam, day. G'day, Luke, how you going? Good, where are you?
3: I'm um, in Roman Terrace.
0: Okay, um, listening to us through Triple M Newcastle.
3: I certainly am, yes.
0: Number one in Newcastle, number one breakfast. Um, Adam, what's on your mind?
3: Uh, I'm just ringing up for the quickie, please. Yeah. I'm hoping it's cheap wine by Cole Chisel.
0: Oh, I can hear that. No, good guess. Oh, wow, no, no worries. No, me, good, good guess, Adam, good guess. I got 13353. Michael, is it?
1: Yeah, mate. How are we?
0: Good. Have a crack.
1: Mate, I reckon it's Crying
9: Shame by Johnny Diesel on the injectors. No,
0: it's not. I'm sorry. Uh, Anthony, what do you got?
9: Yeah, mate, so I reckon it's uh, Boys Light Up, Australian Crawl.
0: Good guess. You're on the right track. No. Bugger. Okay. You, All right, you've got a good ear, though. You've got a very good ear. One triple three five three, Dean. Good day.
13: Morning, Luke. How are you? I'm good,
0: thanks. What's your story?
13: Oh, uh, you're talking about technology and phones, and you mentioned FaceTime. I've got a 16 year old daughter that a guy asked for a number of Manly last week. They went out together on Saturday. How old? J-
0: how old's your daughter? 16. And, and she, and she went. went in- she went out in Manly.
13: Yeah, and, and this guy asked for a number and she gave it to him and then they went out uh, the following Saturday. Mm. And uh, they've always said to her, when you finish school, you can play in that arena. Let's let's just get through school. Anyway, mm. they, they talk a bit on the phone. And I went into a room last night to say goodnight mm. and he's FaceTiming her. Yes. And he, I don't know if he's poor or not, he can't afford a shirt. Twice it's happened in the last week. I've gone in and they're FaceTiming. He doesn't wear a shirt. Mm-hmm. And I just found it rather intrusive, and, and I pulled her up and explained it to her a bit later on.
0: How old is he? Uh,
13: Same, year 11 at school. Year
0: 11. But for some reason, whenever he FaceTimes your daughter, he's not wearing a shirt.
13: Yeah, Flex, Flex doesn't know how to wear a shirt.
0: Yeah, Flex. It must be very hot where he
13: is. It must be. He's in Sydney. It's not that hot the last few days, but anyway. Is she wearing,
0: is, so long as she's wearing a shirt.
13: Oh, She's wearing a singlet top. Mm-hmm. And, and she's got a chest wonder woman to be proud or jealous of.
6: Mm-hmm,
13: mm-hmm. Um, I'm struggling. What? How do you – this is all part of don't life. Don't ask happens, me. I'm, I'm trying to retard the whole thing for another year or two. I
0: don't know. Don't ask me. Don't ask me. Um, my daughter, who's now 28, when she was at school, was being harassed by – when she was 14, harassed by a 16-year-old boy who was two years older. And uh, luckily, because I was about to intervene um, – luckily he proved himself to be the complete arsehole that he is today. And oh. she, and she saw it. And luckily for me, um, it, it was over before it started. And it was very, very hard for me because back then, because she, uh, my daughter's mother and I were, weren't together. And so she would be one week with her mum and one week with me with a different set of rules at my house to the set of rules that her mother had at her place. So it was very, very difficult. Do you live with your daughter's mum? Yes. So are you united in how she... um
13: Thou- thousand percent, same page. When you per, that for makes
0: her. life so much easier. I mean, yep. the thing that gets me, and just remember, my little girl was 14 at the time. She couldn't live without a phone, and she used to sleep with it. And it, it, she'd get a notification that would wake her up, and it was yep. ruining her health. Her life, she was always tired. How to get drag your kids away from their mobiles is one question. But, folks, what does Dean do here? His daughter is 16. She's in year 11. She's got a bloke that she's met at Manly. They've gone out, and now they're FaceTiming each other, and for some reason, every time he FaceTimes Dean's daughter, he's he's, he's not wearing a shirt. Dean wants to know what he should do about it. Let's ask, Let's ask our listeners.
13: Yeah, we, we take the phone off them at nine o'clock, goes to the kitchen so they can do what they've got to do. But yeah, don't know what to do there. Challenging.
0: It is. It's tough being a parent, isn't it?
13: You bet. That's that's why we drink, Luke. Without children, <laughs> I wouldn't drink at all. And, and best of luck to Robin and thanks for the work that she does and hope she gets through.
0: Yeah, for sure. What do you do? Do you have any other children?
13: Another daughter, 17.
0: And did you go through a similar thing?
13: No not yet. She's a slow burner, thank God.
0: Okay, but your daughter's well developed and she was in Manly and she, this yes. is and she this is where she met this boy. Yeah. And they've been out are they an item? Are they are they go-
13: I, I, She'd like to believe that they're an item now and a couple of her friends have items going on, so mm. it's keeping up keeping up with the Joneses sort of thing.
0: Does he live in your area?
13: Thankfully no. We live in the sticks, which is great.
0: So, do you want to meet this boy and his parents?
13: Well, he came to the netball game the other day, but he hid in the bushes. I couldn't see him, and apparently he'll be at this week's netball game on Friday night.
0: What do you mean he he hid in the bushes?
13: She plays AFL for school, and he was there. We didn't know that he was there. And then after the game, she went off to say goodbye, and I said, oh, he's here, is he? She goes, yeah, yeah, he's over there in the the shade of the trees where where he couldn't be spotted.
0: Well, why didn't you say – listen – let's that, that, not mention his name, why don't you bring the young man over and uh, I'll shake him by the hand and I'll meet him? Why, why couldn't Why couldn't uh, that happen? Or, or did you get, no, Dad, you're embarrassing me.
13: No, 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 that'll happen this Friday night. But he wants to meet Mum, but he's scared of meeting me, apparently. Has he
0: got reason to be scared of you?
13: I don't know yet.
0: What has your daughter he, said?
13: He seems like a good-style kid. His mum's a GP. His dad's some type of executive private school nice young man by the sounds of it but could
0: but, he could he possibly wear a shirt when he's facetiming your daughter
13: i'd appreciate that very much uh, are
0: we old fashioned dean
13: yes I'm a pensioner yeah are we
0: old fashioned folks
13: yeah but that's what's missing in society the old fashioned values a bit of respect a bit of responsibility yeah
0: listen can i can i suggest something dean are you going to be awake after midnight tomorrow Probably not. We've got the man cave and I've got Michelle Bishop. uh, And she is a mum of three boys. And I reckon she'd be a good person to talk to.
13: Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we, we roll with it. We do our best.
0: We do do our best.
13: Yeah.
0: And all we hope is that we've taught our kids enough for them to make the right decisions. That's all you can hope for, I think.
13: The biggest difference is in our day, it was a telephone, and now it's FaceTime, and it's different. There's a stranger in your daughter's bedroom with her. It's different.
0: But the same thing with the internet and texting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of that, all of that.
6: Yeah.
0: I know. We have to roll with the times.
13: Right, okay. And it
0: is enough to drive you to drink. Yes. All right, mate. Thanks for that. See you then. No, I've been no help at all. <laughs> I've been abs- nah. I've been no help at all. I'm 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 happy to come and have a beer with you one day.
13: <laughs> Might need to after Friday. We'll see how we go. <laughs>
0: can you can you report back? Yes, I can. All right. Fo- what what do you folks? What do you make of that? One triple three. What's your advice for Dean? I don't. Th- he sounds like a very nice bloke, and he's a typical dad. He's probably a bit overbearing. He's protecting his little girl, and he hasn't got sons. He's got another daughter. That's it. And she's a slow burner. It's the 16-year-old that's on the fast burner. And what's bugging him is that once upon a time, back in our day, if you wanted to speak to your boyfriend or girlfriend on the phone, the phone was usually in the hallway. It was in the central part of the house where you could hear it ring from everywhere. And when you're on the phone, everyone could hear your conversation. And if you wanted to have a private conversation, you went down to the telephone booth and you took your change with you, unless you were smart like me, and you stuck a paddle pop stick in the slot and got a free call. But these days, you know, you take, the kids take their phones into the bathroom, into their bedrooms, and now it's not just a phone call, it's a FaceTime, and he might, he, he said what he say, he must be poor or something, he never seems to wear a shirt when he's on FaceTime. One triple three five three is the telephone number. It's a st- it's a difficult old world, Thomas, isn't it? It's a difficult, strange old world. Very hard for dinosaurs to adapt. Oh, bring on another ice age! Just get it over with. <laughs> the night shift, triple M. Anyone out there with parental advice for Dean? He's up for it. He's asking for it. What is? What do you do? His daughter is sixteen. Um, living at home in year 11, meets a young man, same age, same year, at uh, Manly in Sydney's Northern Beaches, and now they're FaceTiming each other. She would like to believe she's in a relationship with this boy. He never seems to wear a shirt when he's on Facebook for some reason. Anyway, Dean wants to know, what uh, how, what how, what do you do? How do you communicate with a 16-year-old? It's very hard, isn't it? 13353 is the telephone number. Bob Callop joining us next hour. Um, he's often regarded as the father of the house. And he's come up with a split income taxation model, which he reckons will help young families. Uh, it'll help minimise their tax. In some cases, they'll have no tax. But he's concerned that a problem facing young Australians today is the fact that they don't want to have children. And I can back this up. We had four, five millennials. Was it four? One. Two, three, four, four four. Four millennials over for lunch last Saturday. It was a great chat. And none of them wanted to have children. When asked the question, the answer was no. When I said, really, why? Because we can't afford them. We are flat out paying existing rents in Sydney. And with those rents, because we don't want to have to go back and live with mum and dad. And along with those rents, we're also trying to save... For a deposit on a place, medium price in Sydney, $1.11, folks. And stamp duty on $1.11, that's $45,000. So I'm sorry, no, children absolutely out of the question. Have a listen to what Bob Catter has to say next hour. The other thing I'll talk to Bob Catter about is Barnaby Joyce, because I know that Bob Catter's fond of Barnaby Joyce, but just what advice has he got for him? That's coming up. In just a second, one triple three five three is the number. Good day, Jeff.
6: you hey there, buddy. How are oh, you? no, 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 no. Don't be like that.
0: Are you a father?
6: Yes, I am. How many? One child. How old? Oh, she's thirty-seven now.
0: Is that right?
6: Yeah.
0: Did you hear, Dean? What advice would you have for Dean, who's concerned that his sixteen-year-old daughter um, is? a little bit obsessed with a bloke she met a couple of weeks ago. And whenever they're on FaceTime, he never seems to be wearing a shirt.
6: Yeah, well, my daughter, I had dramas when she was in her younger days. with Her and her mother and I disappeared, oh, separated. But uh, I made a point of uh, just saying to the young fella, leave your shirt on, please. And, um, yeah, we got on like a house
0: on fire. So be please. up front. He's going to meet... So he said Friday. So that's tomorrow. He said he's going to meet the young man, and I think he said maybe his parents tomorrow. So that might solve a few things.
6: Yeah. yeah just...
0: Apparently, he's quite looking forward to meeting his uh, Dean's wife, but not so much looking forward to meeting Dean. Dean might be may have given him the impression that he might be a little bit aggro. I don't know.
6: Well, I'm only five foot sixteen, and. Um... You know, some people say I'm very intimidating, but I'm rather not.
0: No, anyway, being a parent's not easy, and there's no handbook, is there?
6: Anyway, have a go at the quickie. Well, the quickie, I'll say, uh, cold chisels, flame throughs but I, dare yeah, say so I'm not right, but Man. anyway, it doesn't matter. But then I, but I'm with NIB now. Yeah,
0: I quit him. I
6: it... know, but I, yeah, but I,
0: but it's my fault. It's my fault. I I just assumed that because they were paying for my stepdaughter's gym wear, active wear, sand shoes, sunglasses, prescription glasses, dental, I just assumed that the, they would look after my cataract. It was my fault entirely.
6: Yeah, yeah well, I've got to get an insulin pump um, in July. I'm a type 1 diabetic. Are you? Right. Yeah, had been for the last 27 years.
0: So you acquired it?
6: No, oh, yeah.
0: You weren't born with it? Stress.
6: Yeah, it was uh, brought on by stress from Child Support Agency, Say no more.
0: Yeah, can stress make your pancreas stop producing insulin? It can. I guess stress can do anything, can't it? Stress can do anything. Anyway, Jeff, sorry, you got it wrong. We'll talk. A game probably tomorrow during the man cave. You take care of yourself. Well, I'm triple three five three. I i did not know he was type one diabetic. Uh, it's another conversation for another day. Oh, Jeff's online, he's got some advice for Dean. Dean, if you're still listening, go, Jeff. But uh, I've
14: got three daughters, they range in age from
0: 35 to 41. Th- um, 35 out, to 41. Yep, okay, so, now when they were teenagers. Did you have the problem of FaceTime, mobile phones, internet, Snapchat, uh, all that stuff?
14: Well, we certainly had mobile phones, and there were times when, because phones were similar within the house, that we picked up each other's phones and saw things that might have been a little disturbing, I suppose, but...
0: What did you were, What did you see on one of your daughter's phones that was disturbing?
14: <laughs> oh, just relationship texts, I suppose, but... Uh, it was more about uh, putting the brakes on I suppose or where they were at in their relationships and, um, but I was lucky I knew that I knew the young men involved I
6: suppose
14: so uh, mm. touchy, touchy town but the advice of Dean I think is you have to trust your kids until they let you down and if you're lucky they don't let you down
0: so he's just gonna uh, he's just gonna go with the flow well and 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 trust that he and his wife, because they're together and they're united, trust that this 16-year-old daughter will make wise decisions.
14: Absolutely. And, and if she doesn't, you've got to support them and get them through it. But the other thing he has to do is trust himself, because if he's done a good job, she won't let him down.
0: Mate, that is fantastic, Jeff. You could be, you could be caller of the week. You're in the draw.
14: I, I think I could be cooler of the week sometimes too, but I don't have the ticket at
0: all. Well, now that you've done it, you can see how easy it is, and I'm insisting you call me back from time to time and contribute. Uh, you're, you're part of the family now.
14: But, uh, listen, um, I've got one thing on the tax thing. Yes. Um, do away with tax on overtime mm-hmm. and do something with a tax-free threshold on second jobs mm. to incentivize the younger generation to work the way we had to to achieve this.
0: Because- I couldn't agree more. And those people that do want to work two or three jobs to try and get ahead, make it worth their while. Don't tax the arse out of them. I couldn't agree more. And I'll tell you something else. If somebody uh, is on the pension, the aged pension, and wants to contribute because they you know, the, the local coffee shop can't find a barista or whatever um make the tax free threshold on the age pension give it a give it a wider go so that we can encourage people to come out of retirement and not lose their pension Are you with me I am I'm, I'm 60
14: heading towards 66 year old I'm a self-funded retiree I suppose and at the moment I'm driving a truck from home Into Sydney to deliver a car for a local dealership because I still have the ability to work.
0: I know, and you should. And if you can physically work and there are jobs available, and at the moment we're finding it hard to fill some jobs because people don't want them, um, those people that want to work two jobs, three jobs, whatever, don't tax the incentive out of them because. Australia should be built on people wanting to have a go, and if you want if you need to have a second job or a third job to get to where you want to be, give us an incentive. Give us an incentive. don't tax the incentive out of us. Couldn't agree more, Jeff.
14: Well, they could probably also take the incentive to sit on the lounge away by not being so generous. yeah, Some of that. head down. yeah Whoa. yeah. Anyway, I feel good for getting that off
0: my chest, Luke. Well, I'm glad that you did, and I want you to bring back. You're part of the night shift family now, okay? <laughs>
14: Next time i be in the
0: truck, I'll oh, Okay, Jeff, you take care, mate. <laughs> bye bye. He's in the draw for Call of the week. I'm telling you that, Nathan. Hello. How you doing, Luke? Good.
14: I uh, just want to have a crack at the quickie. Go. Uh, is it Bruce
0: Springsteen born in the USA? No, it's not. Sean's in Perth. Sean, what's the quickie?
10: Hello, I was going to guess the same thing, Born in the USA by Bruce Prince.
0: No, no, Sean, wrong one. G'day, Mick.
14: I reckon it's jump by Van Halen. Jump by Van Halen.
0: That's a great guess, but it's not. It is a 1980s hit. A 1980s huge hit. You all know the song. I reckon you all know the words, every word. You certainly know the artist. One triple three five three is the number. Bob Catter. Joins me next. Have a listen to what he has to say. The night shift around Australia on the Triple M Network. Brett, hello. Hey,
2: Legend. How are you doing, mate?
0: Very good. Where are you?
2: Uh, I'm in Bendigo, mate.
0: Okay. you got power? Yeah, you have power, don't you?
2: Uh, my factory, actually, I got the night off. I work night shift at Apex still. Let me give them a plug. Sure. Um, yeah, I got the night off because we've got no power. You've got no power.
0: You have no power as well.
2: Yeah, when nah, nah. when do
0: they reckon you'll be back on?
2: Uh it's back on now, but I got the nod off because production couldn't produce. I'm a loader, load oh. the truck, so yeah, yeah, we, yeah.
0: There are some people who've still got a week to go. They reckon it's just dreadful, isn't it? What? Why did you sure. ring me, Brett?
2: Uh the quickie, mate. Yeah, have a go. Uh Bruce Springsteen, Dancing in the Dark. No. Not that
0: one. <laughs> it's not that one, Brett. Listen, good luck. Stay, uh, stay well, okay? Yeah, uh, Brett and Bendigo out of power as well. They're back on, but they've lost a lot of production. Lost a lot of production. Uh, Brisbane Triple M is leaving me right now, but uh, those staying with me, plenty more still to come. I honestly thought when I heard the quickie a couple of nights ago, it was going to go off within the first hour. I had no, I did not think it would go this long. That's the quickie. It's a 1980s big hit. You all know it. You all know the the uh, the artist. Ben, hello. There you go, Luke, how are you, mate? Good, Ben. You sound like you're talking into a pillow. Oh, sorry, mate. Fantastic blue teeth. Okay, I still can't hear you, Ben. Ben, can get you... Rid of the, uh, let me get rid of the blue teeth here. Hang on. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Ben. That's better, Lukey. That's better. What were you
12: doing? Oh, just a fantastic Bluetooth, mate!
0: Oh God,
12: <laughs> Ben, so, you're you're in Adelaide, are you? I am, mate. I uh, am, just wanted to have a crack at the quickie. There you go. Oregon reckon the paint void another brick in the wall. Oh,
0: yeah, I can hear that. No,
12: no, no, nah. no worries, mate.
0: Okay, thank thanks very much. Uh, g'day, Sonny.
12: G'day, mate. How you go.
0: Good. Just want to show it the quickie.
14: Yes. Uh, men at work overkill.
0: Men at work overkill. No. I'm sorry, Sonny. Uh, Sean, what is it? Sean, talk.
14: Yes, how are you going? Good. Um, Tina Turner,
12: Simply the Best.
0: No, it's not. I'm very sorry. Hopefully we're gonna win it before before we uh, have to leave you today. The night shift. And no, that's not the quickie. It's not the quickie, but there is a clue. There is a killer Friday clue that should put it to rest. Uh it's on the podcast now. Is it Thomas? Is it there now or will it be there shortly?
1: Yeah, right now. You can go listen to it right now. Right
0: now. You can hear tomorrow's clue and get a head start, the man cave on tomorrow from midnight to three. With uh, the usual team. Maddie Larson joins us next with today's news headlines. And someone who could attest to that is Maddie Larson from Triple M News, uh, who joins me live now. Good morning to you, Madeline.
11: Good morning, Luke.
0: How's your morning been so far? Okay.
11: Yeah, pretty good. I mean, we're about to talk about Taylor Swift again, oh, though, so be really? prepared. This is going to be happening for quite some time. Well, she's got a huge, down. she's had a
0: huge impact, oh, on, going to have a huge impact on yes. our economy. But has she yes. actually touched down? Is she in Australia she, now?
11: She definitely has touched down, just like her Super Bowl winning boyfriend. She has touched down in Australia. So, Eager fans actually waited at Melbourne's Tullamarine Airport just to see her private jet land down under, uh, which was met with applause just before 1am local time. However, unfortunately, they didn't actually get to see a glimpse of the pop star. Uh, she was yeah, she was whisked away uh, straight into a waiting car at the terminal. But obviously, uh Swift Mania, it's a it's a thing. Federal police were even brought in to guard the airport's three exits, which is huge. Now, as you know, she plays her first uh, sold out show at the MCG tomorrow. And as you mentioned, I mean, this swift mania, it's going to bring so much to the economy. According to KPMG, uh, there have been estimates that the errors to it would result in an extra $140 million, um, while others have gone up to as far as $500 million and even over a billion dollars. It's not entirely known. Could be much less than that, but... Uh, yeah, it's going to bring a lot of money to the Aussie economy and the fact that she's uh, made it here just after that uh, Super Bowl win for her partner, Travis Kelsey, as well, is good news. Um, but, yeah, I wonder if he was with her. I mean, I haven't seen reports he was. They didn't get to see her, but, yeah, very exciting for Swifties. So you must be very excited this morning, Luke.
0: Yeah, I would have was going to go there last night, but I was rearranging my sock drawer.
11: But, oh, no. But I was watching paint dry, but...
0: There you yeah. are, there you are. Um, apparently, a few years ago, um, there was a 19-year-old, Taylor Swift. She first set foot in Sydney. It was back in 2009, and she was 19. Mm-hmm. She played her second studio album, Fearless, to an audience of 450 at Marrickville's Factory Theatre. So there you are. Now, the big thing is Gating. Have you heard of this? Where people no, I who, have not. Please yeah, explain. I'm going to. Tailor-gating is the latest thing, and it happens to her all, everywhere she goes, and it's going to happen here in Australia, the promoters are, are saying. And they're hoping it doesn't happen because it causes chaos. Those people that couldn't get tickets go to the stadiums anyway, and they set up parties in the car park. And they sit there hoping to hear her concert waft over the walls of the stadium. And it's a huge thing in the United States, and it's called tailor gating
11: so there you are. I mean, the fact that it's got a name, though, I mean, that happens with every huge, um, you know, musician that comes to Australia. We saw it with uh, Elton John and just Pink the other night um, as well uh, when she was playing in Newcastle. So I think it tends to happen quite a lot, especially with the cost of living and how hard it is to get tickets to some of these. Okay, so if shows. you
0: couldn't get tickets to Tyler, to Tyler would you get a, a fold up a fold-up deck chair? And Probably sit, not
11: for Taylor Swift. And sit in the car park. <laughs> I feel so hard. Everyone loves her. Now. And, and
0: hope nice. to hear her voice coming over the fence.
11: If if I had a little girl who was obsessed with you would Taylor do that. Swift, and I couldn't get her tickets, and I didn't work very early hours, yes, you would do that with your little girl. I would do that, she'd, that she'd for be a ju- little girl. She'd yeah. be dressed up in the jammies. I could just sit in a night
0: a yeah. nightgown, and you'd be sitting there and yeah. uh, listening to Taylor hoping to hear, if the wind blew in the right direction, hoping to hear a little bit of her coming uh, out of the stadium into the car park. Unbelievable. Hey, listen, on a serious note, this power outage in Victoria, I'm getting calls right throughout the morning from people saying we're still in darkness, we still don't have any power. It's costing a fortune.
11: It is. There's over 100,000 homes and businesses that remain without um, power in Victoria this morning. And that's as the state continues to recover from uh, the largest outage in history. Uh, Now, AusNet says that 50,000 customers should have their power back by 6pm tomorrow night and the remainder another 50,000 by Saturday night. Uh, But as you mentioned, businesses have lost thousands in revenue with uh, supermarkets having to strip fridges of frozen foods and shelves of fresh produce. Uh, Even uh, local IGA's, uh, they've had to throw out food. Uh, Mulgrave IGA owner Lucky uh, Coley actually spoke with Nine last night and he estimates that he's lost 150 grand worth of stock. Take a listen.
13: This is
12: all unusable, unsellable. You can see it's gone all soft. I have to take the app machines home to charge.
11: And it's important to note, Luke, as well, yesterday was Valentine's Day. We spoke about Valentine's Day being a bit of a scam because you spend a lot of money. Businesses make a lot of money. Uh, A donut shop actually couldn't open its doors. And it was the store's busiest day of the year. So they missed out on that. Now, as for what uh, the government is doing to help people that have been impacted, um, including our listeners uh, in Victoria that have been impacted, emergency relief payments are now available uh, for those uh, whose homes have been impacted by the fires and the storms, so each eligible adult will receive $640 and children get $320. Uh, and if you are in need of that, you need to go via your local council. All
0: right. And very quickly, uh, Indonesia has a new president. It looks like it's a landslide. I'll have uh, more details on that. And we'll have our weekly worldwide wrap-up with Dr. Keith Suter tomorrow on The Night Shift. Maddie Larson, you have a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, good luck getting your deck chair ready for tailor-gating in the very near future. You too, Luke. <laughs> good Goodbye.
11: See ya. The
9: Today's first day. Today's first day. First day is shepherd's pie. Wednesday a roast to be Tuesday's soup. Monday is Washington. Is everybody happy? You bet your life we are.